Warning, this episode may contain language and situations that may be considered inappropriate for younger audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Also, there is a high possibility that spoilers for the anime series we are covering may occur. So please do be careful if you have not finished this anime series or are not currently up to date with it upon listening to today's episode. Not to mention the opinions expressed are of the individual participants and do not reflect upon the Dub Talk podcast as a whole. And finally, our lawyers wanted to make it perfectly crystal clear that any and all brand and product placements throughout tonight's episode were in fact fictional and done for comedic effect. We do not have any prior commercial agreements or obligations with any of the companies and businesses referenced in tonight's episode. We at the Dub Talk Podcast value our brand and treat it with the utmost respect and creative integrity. We would never dream of selling out so shamelessly like a bunch of dirty, money-grubbing pigs. But if you really wanted some high-quality pigs, you can go ahead and buy the ever-so-delicious Double Western Bacon Cheeseburger at any of your local Carl's Jr. fast food restaurants. Carl's Jr., have it your way. Or you could find an adorable little girl in a pink dress and ask her to create a little piggy out of thin air and keep it as a pet. Because, oh my god, look at that little face! Isn't he adorable? Look at his tiny ear! Excuse me. Anyway, with that out of the way, please enjoy tonight's Dub Talk episode of Alice and Zerosa. Hello and welcome to Dub Talk, a show where a bunch of nerds get together and talk about a recent dub or dub announcement. Today we step through the looking glass and load up our PS2 era CGI vans. That's right, we're talking Alice and Zoroku. This episode And to help me This episode has been brought to you by Carl's Juniors. Carl Jr., the ultimate burger place for all of your Japanese entertainment needs. To help me out today, I have assembled what I like to call the Dub Talk Dad Squad. Dad Squad! Dad Squad! Woo. Starting out, we've got our team dad, Spaceman Hardy. Yes, thank you, thank you very much. I am, as the oldest member of the Dub Talk crew by a considerable amount, I felt it only necessary to come in here and provide my knowledge and wisdom, or lack thereof, on the subject matter at hand. And also, I am... Yeah, also, I will be uh, probably heavily drinking and waiting on a pizza to deliver, so... Excellent. Uh, yes. True dad form right there. So. All right, next up, we've got the actual dad of the group. Like, he literally has a child and another one on the way, by the way. Mazel tov. Mazel tov. I'm not Jewish, uh, but... No a clue. Thank you. And yes, I uh, actually went through the process of procreation, and by the time this episode goes up, I will have added another member to the group. I'd like to give a shout out to Ruby Marie Ardell, born May 28th, 2017. Woo! Little Miss Woo-hoo! Ruby, I am an eternal flame, baby! <laughs> no! 
no, 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 no. Oh, wait, you're not talking about the Bengals song. <laughs> Never mind. All right. <clears throat> Next up. Not actually technically, <laughs> not technically a dad, but the baby face of the group. We have Andrew. I am a, ch I am by many standards a children, as you would consider, but I am also a college and many things can, shall, and will happen in college, so you never know. Yes. You are of the age that I could have possibly sired you. <laughs> that, that is that the is most bizarre thing that we're going to hear throughout this entire night in an episode that's already about magic-wielding <laughs> demon children. Yes, we're let me pass it through the phone. Start tonight, Drink! And, <laughs> and then we started drinking tequila. Technically more of an uncle than a dad in both the team and literal. Well, you're a dad. I am. You're a pug dad. Justice. He is the pug dad. Yeah, I'm a pug pop. I could also say I am an uncle and I'll be visiting my nephew tomorrow, so that's a thing. Yeah. And you'll always be our cousin Andy, of course. Hey, I still have hey. yet to change that. All right, so we have a plot synopsis coming straight to you from Funimation. A group of young girls possess a mysterious power which gives them the ability to materialize their thoughts. Detained and experimented upon, these youths are locked away in secret until one of them manages to escape. Her name is Sana, a girl with the power to ignore the very laws of physics. When this willful powerhouse crosses paths with a stubborn old man named Zoroku, his carefully ordered life will never be the same again. Also, there's like a bunch of references to Alice in Wonderland that really don't make sense. Not at all, really. And this is by no means a new phenomenon. No, there's a long, proud tradition of trying to make anime versions of the Alice in Wonderland characters. Like, okay, you got the clamp manga... You've got the ending of Dagashikashi. You've got every blonde character who's actually named Alice. All of them. They just cannot get enough of Alice in Wonderland for well, some it's reason. the same way that have... they like Disney. So Disney and Alice in Wonderland kind of go hand in hand. I have to wonder, though, is it the um, is it the actual story of Alice in Wonderland? Or is it the Disney version that, <clears throat> you know, Japan idolizes more? Frankly, Roots, it's because they want to see the White Rabbit as a furry, cute girl. Touche. Yeah. Touche. All right, so starting us off, we have the ADR director and the ADR scriptwriter. Gentlemen, uh, do you have any predictions? You know me, I don't usually make predictions for ADR scriptwriters, so obviously I, I'm kind of out of the loop on this one. Normally, I try to make a prediction. Uh, this time, I could only guess for the um, the director. I couldn't really think of anyone for the writer. I didn't have anything for script, but I did have two for the ADR director for this project. Two equally possibilities. I actually had one for each, so... Um, you overachiever, you! I know, I know. Just That's why we love you, man. It is why we love you, but you, you, you're making us look bad. To be fair, we Our don't really need to try hard to make ourselves look bad. Oh! Yeah. Okay, so um, what were your guys' predictions? For the director on this one, um, this was kind of guided by the fact that I had only known what um, uh, who's directing some of the other simul dubs that are going up right now, like uh, My Hero Academia and Sakura Quest. But I, I had this thought in the back of my head that because of the content of the show, 
uh, being a generational gap thing that seemed to feature a lot of uh, go girl power moments. Uh, Caitlin Glass was the name that jumped into my head for the director. Okay. I, I can see that. I also had Caitlin Glass as one of my two as well. Internet high five. <laughs> so, yeah. And I'm assuming Roots' guess was also Caitlin Glass, clearly. Actually, no, but kind of close. Okay. Um, actually, it was because of um, Guru the Animation that I basically picked it. Because this was kind of a darker take on fantasy. Um, I had Guru the Animation's assistant ADR director, who was Tia Ballard. Ah, okay. Yeah, the, the, the two kind of uh, run in the same class. And because, you know, I assumed that the script writing would be a little looser. Because it really, you know, it really didn't have to stick that close to the Japanese. I picked Jared Hedges for script writer. I can see it. What's the, one of the other things that he's done uh, in script writing in the past? Um, I think he did in particular, Oh, In particular, I'm thinking uh, Rage of Bahamut was Basic, basically... No, Noah, basically, Jared Hedges is the guy they keep uh, locked up in the, uh, in the gimp ch- uh, chest and let out <laughs> every now and then. Because uh, he's, been, he's been writing for Funimation for quite some time now. So, oh, okay, so... Um, yeah. Uh, as opposed to the Goonies, now it's uh, the Funnies. Hmm. Apparently, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, as for uh, another ADR prediction for director, I picked Afia Yu because I was thinking along the lines of kids with supernatural powers as well as a little bit of cutesy comedy were things that she had been well acquainted with in things like Assassination Classroom and uh, Psyche K. Okay, that's right. It definitely has an assassination classroom uh, balance between lightheartedness and serious, oh my god, we're gonna die moments. But of course... Oh, oh, Hardy, did you have anything? I I predicted a rubber chicken with a pulley in the middle. Well, you're okay. not far off. <laughs> <laughs> of course, we were all wrong with our predictions here. Um, our ADR director is none other than Clifford Chapin. And our scriptwriter is Bonnie Clinkenbeard. Interesting combination. <clears throat> Have these two worked together before? I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. I think they might have, probably at some point. Uh, if she worked on, if Bonnie Clinkenbeard had written for uh, maybe something like Yona of the Dawn, it's possible. Well, um, <clears throat> you would know Clifford Chapin's directing from Akiba's Trip the Animation. You would know it from Die Middler, Prince vs. Penguin Empire, Divine Gate, Keijo! <laughs> and uh, Planetarian, a.k.a. Just fuck me up, man. <laughs> Don't fuck the robot! No, no, for, for the record, and, uh, for the record, it, it's uh, it's pronounced Dimedollar. Not Dimedollar. Yeah. Oh, Dimedollar. Yeah. <laughs> Penguin dicks! Okay. <laughs> Mawaru penguin dicks. Oh, God. Ah, oh, come on, man. <laughs> and speaking of penguin dicks, what do we think of Mr. Clifford? <laughs> what, that fucking loser who sits by himself? He does the oh-so-favorite voice of yours, the little child. Ah, yes, yes. All right, well, just a sec, guys. Um, you would know Bonnie Clinkenbeard's scriptwriting, um, mainly from the Black Butler franchise. Um, it, uh, certain magical index and a certain scientific railgun. 
the Soul Eater franchise, uh, Grimgar, Ashes and Illusions, and Yuri on Ice. Never heard of Yuri on Ice. Oh, yeah. It does, a little show, you know? It doesn't ring a bell to me. I, I, no, I... It sounds kind of familiar, like people screaming at me about it, but it just... I can't really place it, you know? No, no, I, I, th- I think you're thinking of the, the spinoff, uh, Yaoi on Fire. That, that, that's what more... Oh, yeah! Me. Yeah, I remember that one. It's that called, was, uh, that was Yaoi on the Rocks. Get it right. <laughs> no, no, no. This was, no, this was the uh, Four Coma spinoff of that. Everything's got a spinoff of a spinoff of a spinoff these days. Okay, so what did you guys think of the directing and scriptwriters? Let's start with you, Hardy. Well, I think the director's a fucking loser, but other than that, <laughs> I think he... I think he just, did a very solid job. Just just, just for the record, Cl- Cliff, uh, we, we don't know this guy. The, the three of us here, we, we've never met this guy before. How dare you say that after I've literally German suplexed you onto a bed before? That was a long time ago, sir. <laughs> we do, it was two years ago. We do not speak of the German suplex. But anyways, no, I think it's well it's well directed, and uh, we, are, we already know that um, Clifford has been able to pull off some really impressive work in the past, especially on shows like Occubus Trip, where he had considerably less time to work on than with other projects. And uh, I think it, it really shines through here. Um, as far as Bonnie's writing, she has yet to let me down. And I've, I don't think I've been unimpressed with anything that she's done so far. So I think it's, it's a well done job. It, it's well done, yes. I, I think I'm, I'm going to speak for everyone else in saying that we're not going to have very many complaints about this. Um, if I had anything to complain about, it would just be that it's not great, though. Um, but I kind of blame that on the content itself. Like The direction on this is fine. The writing on this is fine. It, it uses what content they're given to and directs the actors to pretty good. When it has to be dramatic, it's dramatic. When it has to be sad, it's sad. When it's lighthearted and fluffy, it's lighthearted and fluffy. Although, I will point out one thing here. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, guys, but uh, did you guys see episode two in both the sub and the dub? Yes. Okay. Yes. yes. Okay, in episode two, uh, when the pigs show up in the in the flower shop, I sw- uh, the assistant says, um, uh, this is because I had a pork cutlet last night. But then in the dub, did they change it to, this is because I had a pork chop last night? Or was anyone I think even you, paying attention you, I did not remember that part, but I, I think as long as they got the pork in, it was fine. Well, it's a missed opportunity, yeah. though, because, like, they could have just thrown it. This is Bonnie we're talking about. She could have thrown in a reference and said, this is, uh, pigs are attacking because I had a pork cutlet bowl last night. Uh, Might not have had the lip flaps to do it. Or, like, the space to do it, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, if you want your pork cutlet references, we already have that non-manga scene from the new season of My Hero Academia. So. (laughs) I love how I saw somebody posted, Wow, I can't believe the My Hero Academia fans were fans of Yuri on Ice and throwing pork katsudon as a reference. It's like, that's... (laughs) That's just a thing people eat in Japan. Are you for fucking real? <laughs> nope, nope. Yuri on Ice owns that forever now. All it's right. A, it, it, they got the trademark now. Yeah. Uh, as for me, I think the direction is very strong. There's a lot of interesting scenes, especially in these first couple of episodes where you got super adorable little shenanigans. And then some pretty heavy moments, like especially in 3 and 4. 
where it's like, holy crap, which pulled out a lot of interesting stops for some of the people involved, which I was pleasantly surprised with. Script was very well done. Not unlike a pork cutlet bowl, which is not property of the Yuri on Ice trademark, but hey, I thought it was good all around, and even though we joke a little bit, we are fans of Clifford Chapin, and we appreciate we appreciate you him regularly tuning in to view us. I can't wait for him to call us an idiot next time. All right. In all, the direction on Alice and Zoroku is fairly solid. The emotions of the actor never feel out of place. Dialogue, especially for Sana, who is a young child, rarely strays into territory that would threaten my suspension of disbelief. Grown-ups sound like grown-ups. Kids sound like kids. Not much else I can say on that matter, but on a side note, I do want to say that there was a lot of really clever casting. <clears throat> I'll, bring, I'll bring up one specific instance a little later on in the episode, but I really wanted to give Clifford Chapin credit Oh, oh yeah. <clears throat> on it right now. Oh, yeah. Actually, there's two things I thought were pretty clever. One will, I believe, we'll get to in our next segment. But, yeah, uh, there's a lot of cute little, like, directing, acting gags that were probably extremely intentional that I'm kind of appreciate that Cliff did. I do have a little bit of an issue with the script writing. It's it's gonna sound a little odd at first, but hear me out. Shoot. At at times, it feels just a little bit too loyal to the subs. Um, at a couple points in the first two episodes, I couldn't tell any difference whatsoever between the subtitles on the Japanese version and what was said in the dub. For a show like Yuri on Ice or Grimguard, this is something that's absolutely essential because a misinterpreted line could spell disaster for an entire scene or an entire episode. But, you know, in this case, um, some of the moments in episodes two and three, some of the more lighter comedic moments, I felt like I might have lost a joke or two. In the dub? Yeah. Is this regarding the piggies? That and the uh, the teleporting around the world. Oh, you mean like it wasn't a, a spastic or a cartoonish enough that the reactions were in the dub? Yeah, yeah. Mm. Uh, it, that uh, We can talk about this a little bit more also when we talk about the individual characters, but the direction seems to be uh, taking a, a bit of a more serious approach to it. Like, uh, they can't quite match the Japanese tropes when it comes to uh, overreactions, which in the Japanese, those are tropes. Like, those are, like, we've seen these lines right. before. In English, I don't know exactly what the equivalent would have been, so they, they decide to play a bit more straight-laced. And... Uh, I guess they do this to uh, to match out the, the more serious content. They thought, well, we could either be goofier and match the lighter moments, or we can uh, focus more on being taken seriously. And that seems to be what they were doing with those traveling around the world and having a less over-the-top reaction. Honestly, though, I think a little bit of tonal whiplash would work, especially when things get super dark. You know, speaking of whiplash, can I just bring up a little thing quick that... There's no real clear-cut place to mention this, but this is something I, I want to bring up. I want to ask you guys, and since I know he tunes in regularly, I want to ask Clifford, what was your interpretation on the following thing? In episode one, 
there's like a moment where he they first meet Sana in the convenience store and like the girls basically she's been staring at the food for three hours uh, could you possibly go and talk to her and like when Zoroku goes to talk to her and then the camera turns to like the reaction of the cashier register lady and she's got this weird like chibi cheering face <laughs> I don't understand what that is. I don't even understand what would warrant that face. And figured if anything, she would have like a more blank-eyed stare. And he's not tell. She's not asking her to tell this kid to fuck off. It's like she's not like yeah, yeah, get the fuck out of my store. Well, it's like no. It's just yeah, yeah, yeah. Go talk to that girl. See if she's okay. And I'm not. I want to understand what the creative interpretation of that moment is because i well, didn't get it well andrew that's just good customer service at work always treat your customers with a smile that's not wrong i mean if you're going uh, to if you've ever worked in retail and i know every single one of you have you know uh, that you're not allowed to be mean to the customers no matter how foreign they look like seriously why do we have people with blonde hair i, I resent that you know <laughs> It took me a little while to, to understand that when they said that line. For, when she said, uh, the police don't trust foreigners, I thought she was talking about Zoroku for a second. It took me a minute to realize, oh, wait, no. Uh, she, the girl has blonde hair, therefore she must be foreign. Henceforth, police don't trust her. You know what? I didn't notice that. That's really interesting. Huh. Well, it, this show has a bit of a problem as well with... Um, they're supposed to be international characters. Like uh, One of the characters is uh, American... Uh, uh, Sana is supposed to be apparently like non-Japanese, but none of the character designs are distinguishing enough for that. They're all that Hitamari sketch style look. So if you watch this and didn't hear yeah. the lines, you'd think they're all just anime characters. Oh, well, well, I mean, that's that's just anime in general, unless you're watching something from that was drawn by uh, Arasawa or Satoshi Kone, who go out of their way to actually make Asian people look Asian. Yes. And that, um, you're just going to have that generic anime design, regardless of what you look at. Actually, I'm, I'm going to counter that a little bit with another JC Staff series. Uh, you guys have all seen Food Wars, right? Yes. Now that's... I've seen a little. Oh, that, I've watched bits and pieces. That show has a huge international yeah, cast of characters. And yeah, many they have a kind of similar facial designs. Like, they're clearly all drawn by the same person. But there's enough distinguishing features that you can get the idea, of like, okay, the silver-haired girl with the smoother complexion and the bitchy attitude, okay, she's clearly European. Or these uh, good-looking guys with the double-edged sword, they're clearly Italian. So I'm not going to blame it on the studio. I'm just going to blame it on the... The um, character designer. The, yeah, whoever the character yeah. designer was. Oh well. You just you just wanted to look at the uh, the obviously American girl with big tits in the bikini. I watched the show for the <laughs> cooking, damn it! Why won't the I? The American flag it? bikini, I might add. All right, so we we should probably be moving on right about yeah. now. Yeah, so we've been talking a little bit about the old, and let's talk a little bit about some of our younger cast of characters, the children, yeah. if you will. <clears throat> So you're Our the right person to segue to into by this. Carl's Juniors. Eat like you mean it. <laughs> yeah. Eat like okay, you mean so, it. So we are going to start off with the uh, with the three dreams of Alice users used by the evil corporation, whatever it's called. I don't think it even has a name yet. They, they just are refer a faction. They're like a faction, if anything. 
I mean, yeah, they, they don't even give their uh, their company a name. They just refer to it as the. Well, it's not the institute. It's. Oh, the facility. That's yeah, right. how generic can you get? Guys, they are the man. We shall refer to them as the man. Agreed. Mm-hmm. So refer to them as because the man assholes. always gonna get you down. You gotta fight the man. <clears throat> so what about fight these the children? Okay, so so starting off, we have a pair of twins named Asahi and Yonaga. Um, Asahi is kind of the outgoing twin, and she has the ability to spawn anything with a chain. And uh, Yonaga is a little more reserved, and she can spawn basically a bow and I think it's like an unlimited amount of arrows. Mm-hmm. Or, or if you're just looking at the character designs, Asi, Asahi has the twin drill hair, and Yonaga has the ponytail. Okay, twin tail, ponytail, that, got it. That's how I wrote it on my notes, because they don't even list their names until like after the, five minutes after they're introduced. And who is our third child in this batch? And uh, then we have Cleo. Um, actually, <clears throat> actually described on uh, the ANN character guide that I got all this from. Uh, as a pessimistic boy, he can create anything he is capable of drawing. <clears throat> and he likes to sleep a lot. I almost feel like when I th- when I look at him, I get a very uh, kind of like institutionalized, almost autistic interpretation of like some characters, like Death Note from Death Note or something like that. I think you mentioned uh, off recording. He's kind of like Diet Near. Yeah. I- I cannot. I be wouldn't the first call him. Think that. I wouldn't call him near light because I wouldn't want to associate him with that sociopath. Oh, this this one's a, a little uh, a little more sociopath. Like, if you had the power to create anything that you could draw, don't you think you would go a little power mad with that too? You would just draw boobies all day. Why like, would I? I've got my own. <laughs> well, I mean, well, I mean, a single man who <clears throat> just yes. just boobies, 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 boobies. I, I mean, before yeah. we get to predictions, I'm almost curious what the actual situation with this facility and these children are, because it's not like a clearly antagonistic relationship between them and like their handler slash caretaker. It's almost more like they are being cared for, but there's like almost a disagreement among themselves about, about like what their purpose is and or like what they should be using their abilities for. Well, one of the characters kind of lists... Yeah, there's... Uh, I think it's episode five where uh, um, one of the characters very clearly lists out the reason for the facility is we've got this uh, new potential for unlimited energy that could change all of existence. Like, it's basically Dimension W. Oh, come yeah, on. Let's, much. This is a... And now you had to go and ruin it for us. <laughs> But, but Thank you so much! It's not like what they're doing is any better. <laughs> Alright, so we should probably get this moving along. Um, did you guys have predictions? I did. I had one for each of them. I don't think I actually had predictions for these little children, since I just figured women that could do the children's voices good. And I did not get a prediction for Cleo, because he does not talk until episode 3. So I didn't even take a guess. All right, what you guys got? Uh, for me, um, for the twins, uh, sassy twin I had as Sarah <laughs> Wiedenheft. Um, okay. Shy twin I had as Megan Shipman. 
and Cleo I had as Terry Doty. I can see it. All right. For the uh, for twin A or the one with the twin tails, I had Sarah Ragsdale because her portrayal in Kobayashi's Dragon Maid is basically the epitome of crazy girl in charge. So I thought we need to give her more roles in Funimation. And for Ponytail Girl, um, probably because uh, she had a similar um, cool demeanor in t- uh, Saga of Tiny the Evil, I put Janie Tirado. Genie. Je- yes, my Genie. I I dream of Genie. Uh, a lot of. You better dream- not let your wife know about that. Uh, I also dream of Jenny. Hey, <laughs> you say. Hey, good save. And then you you just hear like her unclocking the gun in the background. Yeah, that's what I fucking thought. Hey, 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 don't joke around. We live in Michigan. This is a gun-heavy state. <laughs> All right, Andrew, um, what were your predictions? Uh, like I said, I didn't really have any predictions for these three characters. Oh, that's right, that's like, right. Uh, ladies that can do the children voices good. Okay, um, then I should probably do mine, shouldn't I? Um, uh, for Asahi, you know, tw- I, Twin Tail, I want to say? That's it. Okay. Twin drills are going to be uh, the next big thing. <laughs> um, I had Lucy Christian, uh, mainly because she's known for her incredibly energetic characters. Uh, for Yonaga, I had uh, Sarah Wiedenheft. Mainly kind of a complicated thing. It's because of a prediction in another show that hasn't gotten to that point yet. Um, basically, she's my prediction for Carrot in One Piece. And because she is incredibly good at playing young boy characters, my prediction of Cleo was Ryan Reynolds. Ah, I see. I see that. Now, boss, who were, in fact, the actors and or actresses who played these characters? Playing Twin Tail Asahi, we have Brittany Karbowski. Kind of surprised me, honestly. Playing Ponytail Yanaga, we have Brittany Lotta, hey. which really surprised me. And playing Cleo, we have none other than, actually, I got this right, Ryan Reynolds. I see. I see. Wasn't a surprise at all. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you would know Brittany Karbowski as Black Star from Soul Eater. Migi in Parasite the Maxim, and Mikoto Misaka, a.k.a. Last Order, from A Certain Magical Index and Certain Scientific Railgun. Misaka. Misaka. Misaka, Misaka. Brittany Lauda, other than being, um, other than being in charge of a bunch of Media Blasters dubs recently, um, you would know her as Kamet from Holy Night. Uh, Anzu Shirogane from Castletown Dandelion. And in this season, as Leviathan. We haven't recorded that episode yet. We haven't recorded that episode yet. We can just bleep that if we have to. Just put the freaking, like, the seal that they used to censor all, like, the dirty parts over that whole segment. Speaking of dirty parts, hey Hardy, uh, does uh, the name Brittany Lauda look kind of familiar to you? Yes, in fact. She's named after the very slut, not slutty, but very bitchy character from Honey Pop, Audrey. And hmm, what a wonderful character she was. 
Oh, yes. Since, since we are going off and mentioning Hunipop, I feel it is only right for Hardy to give his thoughts on these characters first. Oh, hold, Wait, on, hold on, hold on. Ryan Reynolds? <clears throat> and, yeah, I gotta deal with Ryan Reynolds, who you would hear is as Etoile in the Heroic Legend of Arslan, Maeda Toshiro from Token Rambu Hanamaru, and Kangetsu Gaso in Masamune Kun's Revenge. Gentlemen, your opinions. Well, I just wanted to bring out the twins are Brittany and Brittany. <laughs> yeah. That's one of the two that. things I was mentioning last section. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think they did fine, frankly. Uh, Ryan has showed us that she can definitely pull off the little boy voice pretty much flawlessly. Uh, she's kind of heir apparent to... Um, what's her name? Um, what, from What, another voice actress? Yes. Um, been in the industry for years. Doraemon. Mona Marshall, yes. Mona Marshall. Mona Marshall. Okay. Yeah, so sorry. The, the original can play little boys. Yeah, yeah. So she's basically the Funimation equivalent of Mona Marshall, and uh, she does it just fine. Um, the twins, they're, they're fine. I think that... Well, hey guys, guess what? My pizza just came in. Go among and talk, talk amongst yourselves. Okay, Will we can do. say that he has nothing bad to say about them at all. Noah. Well, you can't say anything bad about them because, uh, honestly, yeah, there's um, uh, there's this uh, always fear I have that if you have twins in a cast that uh, the voice or the ADR director is going to get lazy and just cast the same voice actors for both of them. And I'm glad to see that's not the case in this situation. Both Karbowski and Lauda have uh, perfectly pull off the very conflicting parts of their uh, twin personas. You've got Karbowski, who's wonderfully bratty, and I just like to say I'm glad to hear her again because I'm only used to her in a lot of uh, ADV and Sentai dubs, so I'm glad that she's getting more work at Funimation as well. And Lauda uh, balances out with her uh, nervousness, but she's not annoying. You know, she's not that shrill... Um, save me on each one kind of personality. She's just very uh, reserved. So, yeah, they both did a good job. And I think Ryan Reynolds uh, needs more lines because at this point we've only heard her speak like three lines in this dub so far. All right. Uh, I actually did, uh, since mentioning Ryan Reynolds, I actually liked the whole sequence when I think the most noteworthy sequence of that character is when they're describing uh, Mini C and what he thinks of her and how he's very reluctantly does not think highly of her just because mm -hmm. somebody who smiles that much isn't that like the same as never smiling and I think that's a kind of interesting little line there and I think that says a lot about his character in and of itself. Uh, as for Brittany and Brittany, I think Brittany's good and Brittany's pretty good. Which one am I talking about? You fill in the lines. Except I won't do that to you, since I'm not an asshole. Uh, Brittany Karbowski, <laughs> I love... The, I kind of love the little whiny, bratty version she does. She can do cutesy-wootsy, but bratty Brittany is always very fun. Uh, Brittany Lauda, uh, first time we really get to actually talk about her in as a regular for a Funimation broadcast dub, even though she has been in a couple others, such as Akiba's Trip and a couple other ensemble voices. So it's nice to see her with a named role, and I like her a lot. I got to meet her at Anime Next. I have a signed little Audrey thing. We got to talk about Hunter Hunter. She is good at that, and she's good at acting. I like the kind of cowardice, but also sweetness she offers to her version of the twin. 
and I'd like to hear more from her and her other Britney. Ryan Reynolds seems to be getting her fair share of little boy roles since Funimation radically expanded their broadcast dub program into the simuldubs. Under ordinary circumstances, I'd express concerns about typecasting, but considering the difficulties associated with casting actual kids in anime dubs, in particular with the frantic pace of doing an anime dub week to week instead of basically piecemeal, anyone who can play kids well won't hear a complaint from me. Now, the Britneys, as I will now affectionately call them, unless I don't want to be called that, in which case, sorry about <laughs> you that. You have to wonder if the director like, uh, did that on purpose or not. <laughs> oh, he absolutely did that on purpose. Let's not kid ourselves. Uh, they play well off of one another. I'm actually kind of curious how they ended up doing that harmonizing effect they did in episode two. Did they do it uh, both in the same booth? Mm. Did they record one and then the other? If it was anything like what uh, the twins recorded like for Orin High School Host Club, they just had one record first and then have the next one come in, listen to that reading, and try to match it, um, match the pre-recording. Well, nonetheless, it was really yeah. cool. Yeah. Um, I thought that was pretty neat, too, yeah. I'm back, gentlemen, but, and I have you know, pizza. Good for you, buddy. As you were saying. But since they only really get to wreak havoc in the first episode, um, I don't quite have a very strong opinion one way or the other of them. Um I can't say, however, that Brittany Karbowski is in her natural environment as the energetic Asahi. And while I am, like, not familiar with Brittany Lauda's voice at all, uh, she does very well as the withdrawn Yonaga. If I might jump into something a little bit, I've noticed sure. that most of the actresses who have previously been on Honey Pop, like Sarah Wiedenheft and Skylar McIntosh and Brittany Lauda, the characters they play in the game sound dramatically different from most of the anime characters they play. Interesting. It really is, because, especially Skylar McIntosh, because she sounds nothing like Nikki in any of the roles she's played for anime. It's, it's, if you've ever played the game, and if you have, you're a pervert, but, you know, I own up to it at least. <laughs> you can really, you can. Re yeah, you can really tell the difference in most cases. Now, I had a theory about the twins um, in particular. Um, since uh, we talked a little bit about the Alice in Wonderland comparisons, uh, did anyone theorize that these characters were written to be sort of a, a reference to Tweedledee and Tweedledum? I just thought of that, you know. That is a curious observation. Yes, yeah. I, they use all of these, uh, um, these code words that reference the Alice in Wonderland series, uh, like one we'll get to later, and I... Throughout watching this, I was trying to think, okay, which of the uh, the magic users in this are supposed to be parallels to which Alice in Wonderland characters? Th these are the only two that I could kind of pin down and say, okay, this is probably like the obvious one the writer was going for. What would you think Cleo would be? I would imagine either the White Rabbit or um, or the caterpillar. the caterpillar. I was thinking the Caterpillar. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, I wouldn't say the, the White Rabbit. The Caterpillar because um, they're uh, much more quiet and doesn't exactly talk in riddles, but doesn't really talk straightforward as well. Right. And, yeah. So, if we see a character with a handlebar mustache, then we'll know that that's supposed to be the walrus. In other news, I learned the, the perfect time to go pee is when we start talking oh. Hunipop. <laughs> Ooh, you know what? Um, yeah, I, I can actually delve into that theory here in just a sec, because we're about to go into our next batch of games. Wait, how did my urination lead into this? <laughs> uh... <clears throat> Those Moving on! English majors have to talk about this stuff, whatever comes up, dang it. 
the, so yeah, yep. uh, consensus all around. No complaints about the three magic, the three magical children. Right. There really wasn't a lot to them yet, but you know, it's it's fine for what we have so yeah, far. They, they fit the tropes good. All right. Um, next up, we have the three members that we were introduced to so far. Probably all of them of the. Uh, the Cabinet Intelligence Bureau, who is sent to investigate the dreams of Alice. Basically, they are the ally faction. That's what we can refer to them as. I hope they're the allies. At least at for least. now. At least for now. First of all, we have uh, Shizuku Ichijo. Uh, she's basically an officer for this bureau, and she actually has a dream of Alice ability. That isn't made quite clear in the first four episodes. No, it's... <clears throat> but she basically spawned a sword. I is she the one who fights um, who fights Mini C in the first yes, episode? Yes, because uh, we can tell because she's got this okay. ability to sort of. It looks like she's unlocking safes, like levitating safes, to like her 666 weapons as she describes them. And we see that same power in the first episode, and that comes up again in episode five. So yeah, she's un unlike most of the magic users, which uh, for context. Uh, the magic users in this seem to only have one specific power. It's like they're... <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, it's they like have one thing that they can basically... So they can solidify and summon, with uh -huh. the exception of another. Right. But it's... I'll say this. She's so much hotter in a suit than she is in the goddamn maid outfit. I'm sorry. You're not wrong. You're, you're not wrong. It's... She also has a penchant for orange marmalade for some reason. You, All you, right. You know what these uh, magic users kind of remind me of? It kind of reminds me of, uh, handshakers. You know, and <clears throat> as I was bringing this up with the, um, with the three kids, um, do you think the parallels between Shizuku and Mini-C, who we'll get to later, um, you think they're the white and the red queen? No, because we already have a red queen. Oh, that's true, that's true, okay. I mean, it would be a fair comparison if that parallel didn't already exist. Um, if I... Right. I, I don't know what characters they were supposed to be, and we're not even confirmed that all of them are supposed to be Alice in Wonderland characters. Um, in any case, um, moving on, we have uh, Noriko Yamada. <clears throat> um, she also kind of works for the Bureau kind of on the side. She's a bit of a hacker. She managed to develop software that can track dreams of Alice users. And damn it, she needs a bigger budget. <clears throat> <laughs> She needs more money. Give her money. Uh, yeah. Just just open up a Patreon. We'll, we'll get you some money. Or a GoFundMe or a coffee account. She's also a little buddy-buddy with Shizuku, if you get what I mean. Look, oh, look, my. Just because another woman is sexually attracted to another woman doesn't mean that she's a lesbian. It's perfectly straight to think another woman is hot. They haven't even talked that much. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> No, but there's there's some fangirling going on between Yamada. Look, she have you seen her in that suit? God damn. <laughs> Anyways, speaking of suits. And um, last but not least, we have Ryunaito. Um, basically kind of a jackass <laughs> who's also, who happens to be friends with Zoroku. Kind of coincidental there. Yeah. He basically sort of watched him, like, deal with a bunch of punks in the street, and he was just like, Oh, I hate crooked stuff. And then he's like, wow, this is a cool dude. Let's be friends. I mean, isn't that how you that's make how all I your made... friends? That's how I made my best friend. The pizza? <laughs> oh, mm. <laughs> By the way, this 
Pizza's These cool. segues and more are brought to you by pizza. <laughs> Screwing over the Italians since the 1900s. Amen. Okay, so um, since Hardy's face deep in a pizza, mm -hmm. I think we'll, <clears throat> I think we'll shift our um, our designated order here. <clears throat> well, I'm gonna go. We we got a schedule and we're gonna break it. Hmm. <laughs> Yeah, we're just going to move it one to the right. I'll start with Noah, then we'll go with Andrew, and then Hardy can go. All right. Oh. All right. So did we have predictions? Yeah, I had I had one for all three of them, um, all from wildly different shows. Because like, if you've watched this podcast in the past, you know that I pick my guesses based on what other characters uh, the character in the show reminds me of. So for, um, for Shizuku, um, the... Uh, sultrier well not even sultrier just like a uh, more level-headed voice character I, I always peg down as being a uh, Colleen Clinkenbeard character because she, she always does those well she always does that that level-headed uh, serious sometimes dry wit character with good acting chops to go with it so Colleen for Shizuku uh, for Yamada um, this one is just because I had just finished the second season of My Hero Academia and in that season the villain villain s character shows up at one point with like these huge swirl glasses that uh, she's like hiding her personality um so i for some reason i thought that reminds me of this uh, of yamada a little bit and how she's looking over her computer like frantically typing away and trying to hack the code um and that was played by elizabeth maxwell in show by rock so that was my guess for yamada she's and what a villain in show by rock oh show by rock okay like you said, My Hero Academia, I was confused. Okay. No, no, that's a that's a different character altogether. No, no, she's not a villain, but she still likes people's likes to see people in pain and squirm. <laughs> By the way, does. god god damn you, Andrew, for retweet for posting that uh, uh that cosplay of her in uh in uh, on Twitter the other day. I will not apologize for greatness. If you people, all you people out there, follow Andrew's Twitter feed because he will fill it. With My Hero Academia fan art and cosplayers, it's glorious. I can neither confirm or deny this. Anyways, do you have any more predictions? Oh yeah, alright, for Naito. Um, well, I are, I've got two old guys in the cast list, because these are like the best two old guy voice actors in Funimation. One of them, we'll find, we'll talk about later. But the other one is everyone's favorite, our Bruce Elliott. Mm. Especially because he played, he's also, he's a pervert in this show for a bit. And he also plays a similar pervert in Beck Mongolian Chop Squad, only with a All right. talking Just, carrot. Just uh, make sure you don't put too much butter in the lasagna. Oh my. Anyways, <laughs> I, I didn't have, pre uh, as for me, I actually didn't have predictions for Mr. Naito at the time when I was making these, but I have predictions for Ichijo and Yamada. For Ichijo, I had, for this one, Morgan Garrett, because... Funny enough, when yep. she first appears, she looks a lot to me like Seraphim from Is This a Zombie? Funny enough. And as for Yamada, um, I didn't remember what... I didn't actually write the actress's name. I had whoever plays the glasses girl in Full Metal Alchemist. Oh, that would be... Um, that wasn't Leah Clark, was it? That was not no, Leah Clark. No, it, it was... was that, oh. Wait, was that Gwendolyn Lau? Yes, yes it was. Okay, then I had Gwendolyn Lau for that one. Mm-hmm. Help me, I'm buried in books. <laughs> so it's my turn? It's your turn, yeah. 
It's my yep. turn. Okay. Um, I don't know if I had a prediction for Glasses Girl or not. Uh, I think I think I might have leaned towards Kristen McGuire. And after hearing her in the dub, I actually, for a long time, I thought it was Kristen McGuire because it kind of sounded like her. Um, as far as Shizuku goes, um, I went with Colleen Clinkenbeard at first, but then I decided, you know what? I don't want to be, I don't want to be so easy to read, and so I swapped her out for, her, I swapped her out for uh, Caitlin Glass instead. Hmm, okay. And for and for Naito, I had Kent Williams, because oh. it seems like a very Kent Williams type of role. I can see that. <laughs> yeah, I can hear that. One of the other okay. old guys at Funimation. Oh, old sounding guys at Funimation. Yeah. We need to take care of our old guys at Funimation now. We're losing way too many. Why'd you have to bring the mood yeah. down, man? Damn. Pugmaster. Buzzkill. Don't worry, we got some pugs on right. standby. Don't worry about it. Pugmaster pugs. Roots. Pugs. What do you Alright, um, so for Ryunaito. Um, he basically, from his character design, seemed like a bit of a goofy character, you know. So, my prediction for him ended up being Sunny Straight. All right. <laughs> so, and um, I kind of had to do uh, Noriko and Shizuku together. <clears throat> and basically, it wasn't a predict. There weren't individual predictions for them. I just kind of lumped them together. Because it was, it was blatantly obvious to me. But um, it was basically Monica Rial and Jamie Markey. Oh, <laughs> they're so, so they're not allowed to do separate roles anymore. They've got to be grouped together all the time. Look, look, you all the look, time. Look, if you see the Tanny and Stocking, they're two peas in a motherfucking pod. You know, the that diabolical are, duo we call them. That. That is why that, that uh, clip of us at uh, Yomacon, where we went to Monica's panel and we asked her a question, and she just calls up Jamie to answer the question. We're like, <laughs> these two have done this probably way more times than we'll ever know. Are you? Spoiler alert, they had. All right. Because I remember uh, uh, Anime Boston panel. Oh, oh, no, it wasn't Jamie Markey. Um, it was during the uh, Michiko and Hachin premiere where she called oh. Jade Saxton. Anyways. Give me a mini, Jamie. But yes, anyways. But yeah, well, we were all pretty damn wrong. Pretty much. <sighs> so, playing Ryu Naito, we have Chuck Huber. Playing Noriko Yamada, we have Madeline Morris. And playing Shizuku Ichijo, we have Anastasia Munoz. Now, Chuck Huber, you would have probably heard as Android number 17 or Emperor Pilaf in the Dragon Ball franchise. He was also Show Tucker in Full Metal Alchemist and Brotherhood, but you'd probably know him from the original Moore. Boo! <laughs> uh, he was the he best played... father ever. This Worst is the dad. dad cast, after all. Yeah. Bad dad. And speaking of dads, uh, played, uh, speaking of dads, he, he plays Professor Stein, who in the manga is actually a dad now. That's actually kind of interesting. Um, anyway, uh, that kid got be crazy in Servant, and he is also Kurogiri in My Hero Academia. Hey. 
Well, everyone's gonna be in My Hero Academia eventually now. I do it's not gonna be have like One Piece. That. <clears throat> no, no, I don't either. Madeline Morris, you would know as Bianca in Izeta the Last Witch, Sasame Suji in Three Leaves, Three Colors, and a whole bunch of roles we gotta blibbity bleep bleep out. <laughs> Because we can't talk about him yet. No, you can't, Roots. We no, have our you own can't. personal non-disclosure agreement within the dub talk. And Roots, I am watching you. All right. Come on, let's lock and load. Time to take control. Now, Anas now Anastasia Munoz, you would have heard as Kiyosawagi and Bento. Uh, Monomi and Danganronpa. And he's going to do the rap. Uh, he's going to do the rap. He's going to do the rap. Was it both the game and the movie? Or uh, the anime? No, it was not. I can, You're going to okay. talk to me and bring that insult to my house? <laughs> Fuck you. Okay, well, she played Monomi in the Danganronpa anime. Yeah, that's correct. And uh, Imanotsurugi in Tokenronpa Hanamaru. Roots, you got to do the rap. But... Uh, oh, I don't Time I don't actually know the rap. But the rap. Um, I have one more. Load. Time to lose control. Time to lock and load. Time to lose control. Lose control. Lose control. Lose control. Andrew, I got one more I got to say. I'm legally obligated to say it every time I bring up Anastasia Munoz. Say it. Do it. Her name is Coco. She is Loco. She is loco. And I said... Oh, oh no! no. <laughs> She plays Coco Hekmatiar in Yormangan. So, gentlemen, what did we think of our bureaucratic buddies? I have a confession to make, and this is going to be sound really, really embarrassing. Go ahead. Go on. For the longest time, listening to the dub, I honestly thought Naito was being voiced by Anthony Bowling. Really? You could... That's reasonable. Okay. Yeah. I mean... I mean, he's goofy enough, I guess. Yeah. Well, I've always really? said that Anthony Bowling is kind of a younger, geekier Chuck Huber. And it didn't... It took me until just now to realize that, hey, it's actually Chuck Huber. And now... There you go. Theory proven. Yeah. And so... Um, Have you ever seen kinda... them in the same room? Boom. Same person. <laughs> <laughs> they look nothing alike, but exactly. You know, that's a really great makeup job. But, um, no, at first I thought... Considering I thought it was Anthony Bowling, I thought, this guy sounds way too young to be voicing Naito. And I still think that is the case with Chuck Huber. He does sound a bit too young for the role. I mean, it's more fitting with Chuck than it is with Anthony. But I do think, I think he's a bit more youthful than what the role really requires, in my personal opinion. It's not bad. I just think it could have been a little better proportion like with someone with with someone like kent williams um would you say he's uh he's less pervy than the japanese i would a bit would. honestly yeah anyway speaking of proportion maybe not by much anyway, not by much no ichijo what'd you think <laughs> ichijo um Let it go, man. i liked her i liked her and i agree with with andrew i like her better in her suit than in the maid outfit not only in appearance but also in personality-wise, because she seems much more down-to-earth, much more human than she is when she's sort of on the job and, and performing as a Dream of Alice. Um, she's willing to bring milkshakes and burgers from Carl's Jr., which is awesome. I would... Sponsor! Yeah. Not really. Eat like you mean it. I mean, <laughs> and... Uh, 
But um, ding. But yeah. Give us money, Carl's Jr. And, and for my last for for Noriko, this is news to me. I'm honest. I'm 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 flabbergasted that that this slipped past me. As I honestly thought it was Kristen McGuire, to be perfectly honest. Um, because I something about it just about Madeline's performance sounds like something that Kristen McGuire would sound like, and so it, take that as you will. I'm gonna take that as uh, your ears need fine tuning. Uh, yeah, probably. Well, I was more than likely very intoxicated when I was watching these episodes, so that might have had something to do with it. That would do it. Well, eh, could have played. This a show doesn't yeah. actually exist. Uh, you you, uh, you envisioned the whole thing in a um, alcohol fever dream. This show is this show. Yeah, it's it's actually three pugs in a man suit. <laughs> we spent ninety. We spent ninety minutes doing this fucking prank on you, bro. You got pugs. This show is Roots of Justice. It's three pugs in a man suit. Anyways. Speaking of pranks, Noah. Speaking. Of, wait, what? Ah, <laughs> uh, forget about it. Continue. So the uh, yeah the, um, I like Naito uh, just as much in the English as the Japanese, mostly because he doesn't try to match the uh, the sleazier portrayal that the Japanese had. It's it's a very different interpretation. Uh, it's a little more likable actually, which is good mm. because uh, as an intermediary between. The, the normal humans, uh, that being uh, Zoroku, and the, I suppose, the what they call the facility, we needed someone who could, uh, you know, act as an ambassador. And he pulled that off really well, so I, I give props to Chuck for uh, taking the role and not being as uh, silly with it. Though maybe I should uh, attribute that more to good direction as well. Um, as for uh, computer hacker extraordinaire, uh, she probably got some of the better one-liners, uh, especially during that helicopter chase scene. Um, I was probably saying that, as far as plot-wise goes, she's probably not going to be too relevant to the overarching plot. But I, I like the little bits of her that we got. And yes, she absolutely needs a bigger budget. It kind of it reminded me of uh, that one episode of The Boondocks, where a pimp named Slickback is talking to his, uh, his tech secretary about uh, trying to track down his wife, and she's like... Well, uh, you know, if we didn't have dial-up, then uh, maybe we could uh, have better equipment around here. And it's like, bitch, you get back to working. Sorry, that was a tangent. I apologize entirely. <laughs> Always want a new iPhone or something. That was terrible. I'm sorry. Don't buy avocados. Maybe you could afford a house. <laughs> okay, where am I hearing that laughing come from? Goddamn millennials. Avocados. I'm just pointing that out there. Or maybe that's why you have a wife and family. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking millennials. <laughs> you, heard it, you heard it here, folks. Don't buy avocados. Mostly because they taste terrible, but also because it means you can afford a house and a wife. And speaking Welcome of wives, okay, what though. you think of Ichijo? Oh, I thought Ichigo was great. Um, I didn't even... Um, I don't know if you guys were the same thing, but I didn't realize that she was the same character from episode one. Until uh, she goes full on Sailor Moon and uh, does her kick-ass Transformers sequence, but uh, yeah, in that part where she's acting as a, a believable 26-year-old business girl, I was like, I'm really getting into this. She's got like uh, like she's a different personality than any of the other characters we'd seen so far, and yeah, I don't know I've heard Anastasia in anything else before, but I'm gonna definitely keep an ear out for her in anything else that she does in the future. Two thumbs up two avocados up 
I think I was a little surprised with Anastasia actually being Ichijo, just because I was anticipating, like, I, I feel like I associate Anastasia with, like, younger-ish characters, so not Anastasia with, like, older characters, but then I think about it, Coco was kind of a similar deal, where it's, like, a mix between both, so I guess I could kind of get that vibe from Ichijo as well, mm -hmm. and I think she pulls it off pretty good. Uh, she's a very authoritative, which is why I think she actually does work for this particular role as, like, a sort of official bureaucrat that's trying to help out with these particular situations. And like I said, she's much cooler and kick-ass and hotter in the business suit. We need more ladies in suit! Fucking chain for blood blockade <laughs> is the best when it comes to that. Or, actually, uh... KK's good, too. KK's good, too, but women in suits. Fuck, come on. Anyways, uh, Yamada, Norco Yamada, I don't have much to say for her. She's cute, she's got glasses, and that girl needs a bigger budget. And Chuck, Chuck, I think actually does it, this role really well. He does, he plays off of Zoroku's much sterner old fart vibe with trying to be a little more laid back and friendly. Especially when he is dealing with these younger characters who are supposed to be dreams of Alice. And it's like, what do you do with a lot of these younger children that have big powers and you don't don't really know how to control them? You're not going to be aggressive and try to force them to come with you. You need somebody who's very good at being light and calm and maybe calming down the mood a little bit. Making them feel a little happy. And it's like, I think this is a better interpretation of that in the English because... Whether intentional or not, it does sound a little gruffer and slimier, even if that's not intentional. This sounds a little more happy-go-lucky and, like, friendlier to me. Just remember, everyone, the key to a child's heart is a milkshake from Carl's Jr. Carl's Jr. Eat like, we sponsored eat like you mean marathon. it. We should probably point out that we're... We're Eat like you mean it. Give us money. By the way, Carl's Jr., we will totally take that sponsorship. Thank you. So, some of us have never even eaten at a Carl's Jr. I You're not missing it's much. Right. It's probably the worst possible thing you could I, ever put in your body. Damn it, you will not screw up the well, sponsorship. I, uh, I mean, it's no <laughs> Wendy's or anything, but, uh, you know. Like, it is absolutely awful for you, but it's so good to you. Frisco Burgers, baby. Frisco. Mmm. Okay, all right, everybody set a turn. Um, gotta say, I love Chuck Huber's Reunito. Um, his kind of grumbling, I'm a cop who's seen some shit routine. It was it was absolutely great, and I love his buddy-buddy dynamic with that's Zoroku. A, that's a good point, the fact that he that Zoroku has someone to work off of that's like his equal, That that's a good point. I also like the dynamic between Madeline Morris and Anastasia Munoz. Um... There really wasn't a lot to Noriko just yet, but she, I do like that she likes to. Uh, I do like that she plays the doting quote unquote friend pretty well. Um, Shizuku is a pretty well-rounded cop character. Uh, Anastasia plays her well. Um, I really like the reveal at the end of episode four when she spawns the sword and she's all badass. Yeah, it's a bit of a slow burn in the reveal. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I had a little bit of a hard time following who some of the characters were when they uh, started to reveal who was on what side. I could follow it mm. a little bit, but it was definitely a little hard to say. See at first. 
On a rewatch, though, it was easier to pick uh, yeah. up. So who's exactly. on first? I don't know. Actually, I have an anime theory. Let, let, me, let me hear your opinions on this. Do you think her budget is being spent on getting these children fast food? Considering I Carl's Jr. eat a lot. Considering the prices from Carl's Jr., I, it would not surprise me at all. You know, because the last anime I watched that had Carl's Jr. in it, um, Akiba's Trip, you see Matame with this table full of thick burgers. And I'm like, that girl has got to have dropped a solid grand on lunch. Because those burgers are not cheap. They really aren't. They're like eight bucks a pop. Carl's Jr., we love you. Please, if, mention please all the, give uh... the sweet cinnamon roll a fucking budget. Okay. That's all I have to say. Not to mention all the calories and saturated fat and, and those somehow, things. Mm -hmm. Oh, they'll kill you, but they're delicious. You'll die with a smile oh, on absolutely. your face. Absolutely. They, they keep running out of energy. It's you know, it's a short-term gain, long-term loss. Anyway. But you will you will die with a smile on your face. Speaking of smiles, <laughs> I think now's a good time to move on to our next segment of Fucking the night. Worst you and your segways segways, ever, Andrew. Andrew. These are the best segues, and these this segue is brought to you by Snickers. <laughs> All my segues are sponsored by Damn it, Andrew. Andrew. Fucking dead. God damn it. He's trying to get us a budget to work off of. Let the man work. Cutting. Jesus. Oh, I'm sorry. Ding. It's a little hot in here. Let me take my shirt off. Right. Uh, companies. Companies. You like what you see? I know you I, I, uh, To All everyone, right. we do not know okay. this Andrew guy either. Okay. It's, we just picked him off off the side of the road. Yes. Pugwasampa. Pugwasampa. All right, um, let's get back to things. Um, <clears throat> basically, some more people yes. from the facility. We have Koichi Kito. He's the mysterious boss of this forename facility, whatever it is. <clears throat> and we have uh, Mini C. Tachibana. Um, basically, a liaison from the U.S. Army who can summon her husband's arms. And she's a total fucking weeaboo. Okay. No, she's no. also a total fucking milf. She isn't technically summoning her husband's arms. It's that it's more or less she is imagining the embrace of her right, husband's right. arms. And she summons, like, a It doesn't event. stop it from looking creepy when there's a exactly. thousand of them being shot at with machine guns. Oh, it's so fucking creepy, but... I think that's kind of why I really like this character. Guys, 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 it's Nico Robin with manly arm hair. Oh. My Robin Sweetie Pie is a beautiful angel who could do no wrong except for the time she helped enslave an entire nation. But Oops, it happens. It happens to the best of us, you know? Yeah. I think I think Don East oh. is going to castrate me for that remark. Oh. <laughs> All right, so gentlemen, what's your predictions? Um, my predictions uh, for these two, Koichi really, really reminded me of the guy from Shonen Maid who was Madoka's assistant, 
And so, as a result, I casted our Lord and Savior, Todd Effing Habercorn. Mm. Yeah. And for, uh, and for uh, Mini C, I think I had a couple. Yes, I had two predictions. I went. I had a cup. <laughs> yes. Yeah, because not only is she a total weeaboob, she's also a total milf, and I like to say, but, um. Wait, 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 hold on. I'm, I'm sorry. Do, did we establish that she had any kids? No, no. she doesn't have any kids, but she she's old enough children. to have. The, she's not, she's uh, basically like the mother figure to the kids. Okay, right. I was going to say, we, we do know what MILF stands for, right? She's the step MILF, or the foster MILF. If I guess WILF want isn't to really get. a popular phrase, is it? The filth. Oh, 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 that just sounds yeah, bad. Stop. Like, no, no, no. Okay. Stop. Yeah. Stop. It ends with ilf. Does it gets cut from the audio? Look, Hardy, you're gonna get a major figure for that coming your way if you don't stop talking and get back on track. Okay. Right. Anyways, no. Yeah. She... Let's uh, let's move on to predictions before we get in trouble. Predictions. Okay. No. Um. No. I actually predicted, um, two actresses. I had Morgan Garrett. And I had Lydia Mackey, uh, because both of them have played maternal figures in the past. And I think that their voices would lend well to this militaristic and yet, at the same time, very motherly character. Who longs for her dead husband, basically. So, um, I will see your motherly figures and I will raise you one badass woman. And that um, when when we get uh, Mini C's first introduction, she's like low voiced and ver uh, very um, she's gonna kill everyone kind of personality. And there's two voice actresses who uh, fill that niche. And I was like, okay, I gotta do a coin flip to figure out which one I'm gonna put this time. And it landed on heads, so I put Trina Nishimura. And okay, I can see that. Yeah. I, it, it's just the yeah the I, I know I gotta stop comparing uh, Japanese archetypes to uh, you know, like English equivalents, but it, it just seemed to match the character design. It sometimes yeah. helps. Speaking of matching character designs, um, it's interesting you mentioned Anthony Bowling earlier, Hardy, because um, I thought of him as the uh, as the uh, facility director guy. Okay. Not because not because of um, personality exactly, but because the design of the character reminded me a bit of the scientist guy in Handshakers. And, oh. <laughs> which is a very different personality entirely. It wasn't really uh, the best show to begin with, but it's st it's still the timbre from Anthony's uh, performance. I thought when we we'll just change the personality but put it in his voice, and there's our badass director. Let's lock up little girls and um, do terrible things to them. Happy times all around. You know, as upsetting as it is for me to admit this, this is the segment to talk about hands. Okay. Anyways. <laughs> I like the slow reaction yes. to that. I like the slow reaction to that. I appreciate that. Anyway. Any excuse to talk about the best show from the, from the winter season. All right, now one. you're pushing it. Shut your whore mouth. <laughs> Anyways. Kobayashi <laughs> Dragon Mate? I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, uh, anyway. Akia Strip? Never heard of Mini it. C. <laughs> Mini C. Mini C. I had uh, two predictions for her. Um, I had both uh, Colleen Clinkenbeard because she's done very, like, caring, 
affectionate paternal figures and crazy people as well. And for this one, I actually had Dawn Bennett, since I've seen her use, like, her more mature voice, and I wasn't sure if they were trying to make her be, like, she is a little younger looking, so it's possible they could have had a younger-ish person with an a who can pull off an older range. Uh, as for uh, Kito, I this was actually where I predicted uh, Chuck Huber for this one, since I kind of saw he looked a little more like that kind of role, since that's a little more devious. And I also predicted, uh, possibly enough, uh, David Matranga. Okay, so for Koichi Kito, um, I basically predicted Christopher Bevins, because his, um, I really like that low, that really kind of low, intimidating vibration to his voice. I thought it would really fit for Koichi. I, uh, and uh, if you, if the, yeah, if they wanted to make it a little more menacing, you mean than the Japanese? Yeah, yeah. Okay, because yeah, the Japanese one is not, uh, is not menacing. It's more like. Um, the, the plotter in the shadows performance in the Japanese. Mm -hmm. Right. But, I mean, Bevins can go from, uh, from, like, incredibly menacing to, like, an older brother role pretty quickly and easily. So, that's basically my thought process. And, um, for Minnie C, I actually kind of went with her character design a bit. And, um, and I predicted Morgan Barry. Really? Really? I could see it, but... Well, it's a bit my yeah. first choice, yeah. Maybe. It just kind of looked like it would fit. Did you try to break her out of the, the younger character voices we've heard her in in the past? That, I, too. I, yeah. I, 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 could, I could think about it when I think about it. Uh, she is, like, a military type as well. So in that regard, I can see it. But it almost seems like when she is working with this facility, she's almost tried working on this more, like feminine kimono vibe that she's trying to work in well it, it's she's got a bit of a different uh well um, i mean it's clearly a facade but yeah i was gonna say her motivation is much different than everyone else she she says that their motivation for trying to harness this power this uh warp the universe mentality is well we're gonna create clean energy for the world but we know from her past she that doesn't give a fuck she about does, the world no she all she wants it's um it's basically Master of Martial Arts, you know? She just wants her friend back. What is with you and referencing garbage tonight? What it's, the fuck? This is a whole <laughs> subgenre of the... Uh, let's fight everyone for the magic to make our dreams come true. Have you not seen Dragon Ball Z? I know you're breaking it, Dragon Ball. Who are you? <laughs> <laughs> what have you done with Noah? I, I've lost my intelligence for the night. All right. Speaking of our intelligence, our intelligence, Roots. We were all pretty damn wrong about this. What are you talking this. about? Well, uh, except for... Oh, actually, actually, no. Uh, Andrew, you were pretty spot on on one of them. Um, playing Koichi Kito, we have Christopher Wetcamp. And playing Mini C. Tachibana, we have Colleen Klingsberg. Is it We Camp? Way Camp. Okay. Way camp. Okay. You know, you. I said that I had a coin flip for Mini C and it landed on heads. If it had been tails, I would have put Colleen Clink and Beard. Good to know. Good to know. Hey, there you go. Anyways. Okay. <clears throat> so you would know Christopher uh, Way Camp from All Out as Takuya Sekizan. He was also Lieutenant Sakuma in Joker Game, Tankakumo in Laughing Under the Clouds. 
and Tatara in Tokyo Ghoul. Now, Colin Clinkenbeard has been in quite a bit, but you would probably recognize her most as Gohan from Dragon Ball Z from Kion. Um, Monkey D. Luffy from One Piece. Uh, Jean d'Arc from Drifters. Ritsuko Akari from the rebuild side of Evangelion. And Momo Yayorozu from My Hero Academia. If we want to talk about more I can't trash, believe though, it. she's also the lead character in Brothers Conflict. That's another can't, story. Can't believe you're just going to leave Riza Hawkeye out like that. Or And Riza Hawkeye, yeah. yeah we, can, we can go with Riza. Also, and then, don't forget that Christopher Wakecamp is also the new voice of Eraserhead in Season 2 of My Hero Academia. Okay. Taking over from and Alex he's the Orkin. new Eraserhead. Mm-hmm. All right. So, uh, who's going to start us off? Honestly, we haven't heard much from uh, Kito just yet. But I think he accomplishes what needs to be done with the role. Um, now, Roots, you wanted to bring something out special about Mini C. And oh, that is right. Yes, yes. Easter egg. So I'm going to let you, you talk about that. It's a fun little Easter egg. Um, basically, there was a scene in episode three, a flashback, where Minnie C recalls how she met her husband, how he met his demise, and how she basically got her powers. Um, her husband, Joe, is played by her real-life husband. Can you do that? Um, yeah. yeah. It's, his, na- his name is Patrick Carroll. And he is a voice actor himself and a comedian. Uh, you've probably heard him. He, he basically does background roles almost entirely. But you might have heard him as Giaro or Kingdu in One Piece. And most recently, his most prominent role is as Matsuo in All Out, a.k.a. the guy with a really flat face and the massive blonde fro who wants... Oh, that guy? That guy, yes. The guy who actually wants... Okay. Yeah, who at the, near the end of the series, he has his doubts about staying in rugby. That's the guy. That's his biggest role so far. And wow. I learned something that's, today. That's awesome. And I hope you did, too. Yeah, but it's... Yeah, that's literally a husband and wife team voicing husband and wife characters. Look, if you're going to go for authenticity in terms of, like, performance and emotional impact, that's a good way to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. More of that. We need more of that. And uh, we were talking in the Dub Talk chat about how many voice actors like are married and have kids. And I, th- I think we broke GG with how many people we listed. Look, let's place it. Let's put it like this: <laughs> It is not our place to discuss as gossip and relationships. Only when they come to being relevant in terms of the source material, which in this case it actually is. Yes. Yeah. Totally. And I think it's absolutely adorable how they handle it. Um, on her own, Colleen definitely brings a presence to Mini C, both maternally and as a really threatening, antagonistic figure. Um, <laughs> uh, she shoots a little girl in the leg. Yeah, what the fuck? <laughs> that scene. So, I mean, ev- they throw the "she's not human" card at it, but yeah. Fuck. It was. Like, that yeah. was when we crossed the line from, this is kind of cute, too. Holy shit, it's the revival of Elf and Lead. Yeah, so, yeah, I think I think she just did a great job. And, uh, and um, kudos to Cliff for casting both 
Colleen and Patrick together in this one role because I think it was just really, really clever. That was neat. I'll agree with that. <laughs> I, I can't think of any heartless people out there like, eh, I don't like husband wife voice acting together. It's like, no, no, screw you. This is sweet and adorable, and it was, it needs to be Anyways, appreciated. Speaking of marriage, Noah, what'd you think? Well, marriage has been pretty good so far. I've, uh, about three years now. Um, I'd say No, the... you fucking <laughs> idiot. <laughs> oh, you didn't want some inside information? No, we're trying to stay on topic because we're being sponsored by Hardee's. Yes, what? No, I meant what about Hardee's me? slash Carl's Jr., Oh, that are okay. paying us to do the thing that we're not doing because anime. I'm going to stick to checkers, thank you very <laughs> Carl's much. Carl's Jr., fuck you, I'm eating. <laughs> <laughs> well, sp uh, speaking of fuck you, um, talking about Mini-C, uh, yeah, um, my favorite performance in the whole dub so far is Colin Klinkenbeard's part. Her, uh, she's perky, yet she's vulnerable, and uh, she's a very understandable kind of sinister, like... We remember characters who are motivated, like they have an end goal they want to get to, and she's got one that you can really relate to. Like even in the very first episode, um, her power, you, uh, the camera focused specifically on uh, the wedding ring on her um, husband's arms, quote unquote. And so you, you get very early on that she's all about um, regression, not regression. What I'm looking for, um, remorse from her lost husband. Colleen pours a ton of heart into that that I think just blows everyone else in the cast out of the water. Get, like, we, we need more Colleens. Like, we need at least two Colleens to fill this world with. And then uh, Christopher, like you said, he doesn't really get too much speaking roles so far. He's just kind of the voice in the background there. But he doesn't do anything wrong with it. So I'm going to say that it's good for what he has to work with. And i just like to say that at that part... Where Minnie takes out the gun and just shoots Sana in the leg there. I'm, th I'm thinking to myself, the phrase that comes to my mind is just, Son of a bitch! And at that same moment, one of the characters says, Sana! And I just filled it in. It's like, Sana, the bitch! Get me a drink. Ah, uh, you're gonna need some alcohol for that bullet wound. Anyways, uh, Christopher as Kito, um, it's very interesting to me. I actually almost thought it was David Petranka at a couple of moments. So did I! Like, so did I. It, it, it sounds very much like him to me. And I think the thing that's interesting to me about Kito is that, that like this, this is the antagonistic faction but they don't appear on the surface diabolically evil. He doesn't, he seems controlling but not evil. Like, it almost seems like an ideological difference between these two factions of whether they should control these people with powers and experiment on them or let them be free individuals and let them choose their own path. I think that's where the conflict is not a matter of like, oh, we're the evil people, we're the good people. Because he clearly seems to be caring for these kids and like wants help from them or to help them in some way. Just not in a way that like she agreed with because she was totally cool with living this life until she saw somebody fucking explode into a horrible creation yeah i was gonna say you want to talk about ideological ideological evil or you want to talk about bloodshed now speaking of well, bloodshed motherfucking mini c tachibana this is 
really interesting to me as a character because I, as I was saying with Cleo, smiling all the time is almost like never smiling. Everything about her is so chipper yet empty. Like, I can feel this happiness and this joyful appearance from her almost all the time, but it almost always sounds like a hollow performance, almost to the credit. And then when you see the true colors like of her in the car and learning more about her, it's very clear she doesn't give a fuck about these kids. Because you said like she was supposed to be the mother figure, and I was going to argue that she doesn't give a fuck about these kids. To her, they are a means to an end for her possibly seeing her hubby one day again. And that, like you mentioned, you were going to say the phrase regression. It almost seems like in a way her, her trauma loss of her husband has regressed her as a person. Because all she talks about when you first introduce her is, my husband really would have liked this. My husband loved Japan. My husband was, like, in the war. I was in the war with my husband. And it's like, at first I'm like, okay, this is a little annoying. We get it. Her quirk is her husband. No, her quirk is her husband. <laughs> this isn't My Hero Academia, Andrew. They're not called quirks. No, but it's like, her thing is her husband, almost yeah. to a detrimental level. And, like... The, the lengths she will go and the fact that she she doesn't consider Sana a child, she considers her subhuman and inhuman and the disregard and disrespect for her and like, she's got her in a scary situation for anybody she is being held down against her will and she's fucking tied up and blindfolded, she's fucking terrified, she's drugged and she shoots her without a second thought. She almost brings the old man to deafness when she shoots the gun. She is a scary person to me. The fakeness of her her smiley face is scary and unnerving to me. And I think Colleen actually does a really whole lot to address that and pull that off. And I think she does spectacularly with that. Because it's like, I feel like Kito is, there's like a two sides to that. I feel Mini C is very diabolical. It's, it's definitely the most dynamic character of the cast, because everyone else is very simple motivations, it seems. This is, seems to be the most complex, or at least the most adult one. Who's humming like that? Nice. I think... I think Hardy's trying to say it's... Oh my god, that's from Lucky Star! I was thinking that was from Lucky Star, that's why I thought it was you! By the way, happy birthday, Kanata Izumi! Hey! This hey. moment brought to you by Pocky. Pocky, making anime anime since 2007. Also brought to you by Bandai Entertainment. We're bad. <laughs> also brought to you by Chocolate Cornets. No. What do they call Chocolate Cornets. No. Just no. Which end do you eat from? We don't give a fuck. Shut up. Just eat it. Just eat it. Anyways, Roots. Stop being a bitch and eat it. All right. <laughs> Roots, please take a hold of this episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so truth be told, I expected Koichi to be played with a little more blatant menace than the final product delivered. Um, that said, his almost older brotherly tone to the kids and then... He turns around with cold cynicism to, like, everybody else around him in the facility. That actually sent a pretty big chill down my spine. 
Um, Chris Waycamp is good at what he does. Uh, it's probably the first antagonistic role I've heard him play. I'm sure he's played others, but it's, you know, the first I've actually heard. Um, Colleen, on the other hand, holy shit. Yeah. <clears throat> like, she is a complete hollow shell. She can play maternal. Uh, she can be, like, this absolutely intimidating mercenary. Um, now, this is going to sound strange because people often complain about it in dubs. But I think she needs, like, a little bit of an accent <clears throat> just to indicate her American origins. Because mm. as Noah brought up earlier in the episode, the character designs really aren't clear. Uh, like what? You want her to, to don a draw? Like, like just a, a very... Y'all need to... Like a very subtle Texan accent. I feel like she's, like, American-Japanese, too. I don't think so. Well, she's fully American, and she married, <clears throat> she married a Japanese man. That's Actually, why her last name is Tachibana. Oh wait, I don't think Joe. so. I, yeah, I think he was just a fanboy. Oh, like they, they go out of the way to specify he loved Japan as we were flying over Mount Fuji, and that's why I wear a kimono because it turned him on. He, okay, weird. I thought, he I was thought, also uh, a very large blonde man. Okay, I didn't notice the hair Honestly, color. Honestly, so, it Tachi... makes sense to me that Tachibana would have been, like, part Asian, part Japanese. Okay, there's yeah, a, that's yeah, there's fair. a possibility in there, but, I mean, he's buried in an American coffin, so he was clearly an American citizen. Yeah, I, you know, I had assumed, because you usually take the, the male last name when you marry into a family. And also the fact that she has a middle initial, like, I'm assuming that means her middle name. Although, I, I wasn't sure if that was her middle name or if that was her maiden right. name. Could have been, who knows? I don't know. But again, you know, the, the show is specifically trying to portray her as American. Maybe a slight Texas accent or Southern drawl would, would help out just a little bit. It doesn't have to be all-encompassing. Just needs a little something. I think it's pretty good, regardless. It's just absolutely wouldn't change a thing. Anyways, mm -hmm. I think we've had a little enough of the crazies. I think we need something a little fluffier on the menu. Sweeter. Oh, I, you you think this is not insane? Oh. Boy, we will have words. Okay, so moving on, we have Sanae Kachimura, um, basically Zoroku's granddaughter, uh, basically uh, adopted in <coughs> biologically. <laughs> she is, she is biologically Zoroku's granddaughter. He adopted her after her parents died. Yeah. As well as a bug that she also dug graves for, and a goldfish, so. which I'm assuming is the gold goldfish from the Kashi Kashi. Yeah. And she basically acts as an older sister to Sana. She's a food alien. I love her. I, I like the. She is adorable. All right. Okay. So, did we have a predictions? Um, I did. Yes. Yes. I had. Yes. I had two. All right. Go for it. Um, not to be offensive to the actress in question, but Sana A kind of gave me the impression of a very endearing, well-meaning, very sweet airhead. Um, and not calling this actress an airhead, but she plays... Oh, 
know. No, no, no. This role very well. I actually predicted Tia Ballard. Okay, okay. I can see it. Yeah. And actress does not equate actual personality. Yeah, correct. Which, incidentally, is the same. Well, actually, I think my character guess is like this. Uh, I put Bryn April because uh, she's also very adorable. And yes, I know Jamal is squealing in the background. Oh my god, I love Bryn April! But I, I think in this role here, it would have fit really well because she has to be cute, but she also has to be a little bit of a space cadet. And I don't think I've heard Bryn play that kind of cute before. I would also agree with Bryn April, as that was one of my predictions as well. My other one being for Alexis Tipton, because she has also played similar cutesy big sister type roles as well. When I was compiling my predictions, uh, Sanae was basically the last character that I tried to figure out. I had a lot of trouble with her, basically pinning down her voice. It ended up being a dart on the dartboard, and I picked Jade Saxon. I could see it. Yeah, after her role as, um, oh god, I, oh god, I can't remember her name from Kobayashi Dragon Maid now. Kana. Who's a, Kana, I was gonna say Kanai. But Kana. That's not right. Yeah, Kana from last season. That, yeah, that, that would have fit. So, so did, did we get it right? One of us did. Uh, one of you got it right. Yeah. The actual actor for Sanae Kashimura is Tia Ballard. Now then, you can hear Tia Ballard as Beast in Black Butler Book of Circus, Happy in Fairy Tale, Tomomi in Fuka, and Nanako Akiyama, aka Set, in. Yeah, not okay. Not okay. Not okay. Bad the feelings. Season, the greatest show from 2016. Oh, let's not wait. I had my whole fit about that indie way in it. But first. Who wants to go first about talking about best sister ever? I will. I think she is best sister ever. I think she's absolutely adorable in this role. And even going through the emotional parts in her past, losing her parents and her goldfish and her bug, and being stuck with her, her grumpy granddad, um, she is so positive and so uphearted that you just can't help but just feel a tug on your heartstrings for you, you know? She's just a good girl, uh, trying to do good things. Um, especially for this girl she's never met before, who is weird, who can do things she's never understood, and it's like, it doesn't even matter to her. You know, she just, she's just, for her, she's like, oh, wow, you can summon pigs like nothing. Uh, let me make you breakfast. Oh, wow, you created a giant pancake. That's pretty cool, but, you know, it's a bit too big. Let me make you some smaller ones. You know, nothing nothing phases her. And and that's what's so cool. It's like, she's different, and that's okay. You know, she, nothing is wrong. You know, you're different. That's fine. Let me help you out anyways. She and that's what I really appreciate about this character. And I think Tia, Tia plays her so well. She almost died three times that day, and then she reacted more when she saw some baby penguins. Yeah. Oh, wait, well, baby penguins will bring that out to you. Have you ever seen baby penguins in real life, they're, Andrew? They're amazing. They are amazing. I have baby seen Baby penguins are awesome. I've been, like, two feet away from baby penguins. They are. They, they smell terrible. They're foul. 
<laughs> Foul-smelling creatures, but they really, really are cute. I need to send you the picture of the one little sick baby penguin. His 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 fuzz had fallen out, and so they put him up in this little this little jacket. It was so adorable. But yeah, no, I I really awesome. I really liked Tia in this role. I think Sanai as a character is great, and I think Tia plays her really well. Mm-hmm. Absolutely awesome. Free Grape Coon 2017. <laughs> Tia needs to voice Hululu if Kimono ever gets a dub. I'm saying oh, that was that not nearly great. popular enough in America to warrant a dub. You'd be surprised. Well, Who okay, knows? Now it is just because it's become retroactively cool. I think it's uh, time for salt, gentlemen. We've had a very sweet ride, but I think it's finally time to pour some salt on this uh, uh, Allison Zoroku uh, episode. Shall we? Ruh-roh. Salt train! Pull it into Tia the station. Tia Ballard was my least favorite performance in the dub of this show not because she, not, <gasps> not because okay of course the the obvious line she yes. didn't do anything wrong but okay. all right what's your reasoning okay the japanese performance of sanai is a space cadet who okay um if i offend anyone on this i apologize but i i understand that her um pro, her grief is kind of what's fueling her weird personality it, but her performance in the Japanese made me think that she might be slightly autistic. And I don't know. It wasn't yeah. supposed to be. Um, a, well, it was supposed to be kind of cute, obviously. But it was in a way that I never quite heard another uh, Japanese performance of this uh, the Moe archetype quite like that. It was very spacey and very, uh, very unconventional. And I didn't get that from Tia. Uh, she's very normal. She's very. She's big sisterly. But she's not. There's not enough lunacy in her voice. Not not enough to, uh, to really bring out Sanai's entire crazy character, and I miss that. You're saying, you're saying she needs to go more Haruhi Suzumiya type. Um, yeah, I guess Haruhi Suzumiya type would have kind of worked out. I mean, the well, the the character who came to mind more was actually. Uh, Jerry from uh, Digimon Tamers, mostly because she has a hand puppet. Yeah, she had I a pig hand that. puppet. And who who else do we know in anime who has a hand puppet? C- Scary Jerry. A... Woof woof. Jerry. From I'm going Digimon. to reference woof. every series I can in this episode. So okay. Yeah. So yeah, I wasn't I wasn't blown away by Tia's performance, and it's. Pro- it's mostly just because my expectation for it was going to be closer to the Japanese crazier portrayal. Wh- the way she interprets it for an English role works okay. It's just not the way I would have directed someone to uh, to act it. I'm going to be honest. I hated the Japanese performance of this character. <gasps> I... Something about like I I think you were uh, you were correct that it sounded different than what this character sounded, but I feel like the the like the sort of airheadedness was almost less like full of air and more full of like she sounded like she was stoned yeah. to me in Japanese. Internet fire. She sounded stoned. To me, and yeah. I thought that was off and weird. I, I I take back a little bit, like when I think the possibility of the interpretation of it being like the character is a little off. But the way that the actress in Japanese was giving was giving it, it sounded like it was almost like too off, too high, 
No, okay, it was like, it's either the voice was too high, or the voice was too high. And it, that's, that's something that really irked me, which I felt like Tia Ballard kind of brought it a little more level to me, which I felt like worked a little better. I think she can pull off a little bit of that, like, like chill craziness and i think that maybe might be something she should push a little more for especially if when when we're going to broadcast materials to dvd materials but i actually did enjoy tia's interpretation of this character especially when compared to the japanese which i actually thought was a little too high and a little too annoying for me even if i did enjoy the character both languages all right personality yeah okay preferences split i guess on this one um so i have to say i actually did like tia ballard's older sister dynamic um as a character sanaye kind of has to roll with a lot of punches um i would almost consider her a second straight man um alongside zoroku mm, i don't know if i'll straight <clears throat> Almost. Like, you mean like as a as a contrast to Sana? Okay, maybe you're basically the yeah. stri the stricter parents versus like the more lax older t or sister. I, okay, right. it's, it's a dynamic that I think actually works very well for them together. Where it's like, why would these two so different people get along and love each other as they do? But it's like that it's that thing that brings them together, and I think that actually works really well. It's because her family. Um, I do want to give special considerations to episode two when <clears throat> Sana probes her memories and she gets to the part where she's burying the bug and the goldfish and she's making the little graves for her parents. I really, I really like that scene. Tia Ballard was able to kind of give it a vulnerability. You know what scene I really liked? Hmm. Pigs! <laughs> Piggies! And she can And she can also squee when little piggies appear oh out of nowhere. Oh my god, those pigs are adorable. And I love that she's doing the little sock puppet thing and she's trying to be cute and then she summons a bunch of pigs and then there's all the pigs and oh my god, those pigs are adorable and then they ate the pancake. <laughs> she almost yeah, I, died that day. I, but she had like the best day of her life. It was great. You know, I and then the government people took all the pigs away except for the one with the black spot. The yeah, because the black spot is the one, he's the cutest. They'll be taken to a government facility, but they won't yeah, be harmed. But they'll do tests on them, but they won't be harmed. Yeah. They're going to they're gonna become but bacon. we're going to turn them into bacon. Yeah. But they won't be harmed. See, the government facility was actually Carl's Jr. all along. <laughs> Head cannon. Head cannon. <laughs> <laughs> God damn it, the only, Okay. The only thing we need to finish this episode is an audio cameo from the announcer guy from Arby's. Ah. Uh, okay. We have the meats. I think. There we I go. We said episode I think done. We said all we can about uh, Sanae. Uh, she's adorable. I love her, and we're all very split on her performance. Moving on, we have Zoroku Kashimura. <clears throat> the gruff old man who don't take shit from no one. Specifically, he does not like crooked stuff at all. <laughs> going to turn that into a t-shirt. Not one bit. He hates crooked stuff with a passion. And also a damn good florist. Mm -hmm. Yeah, can, can we talk about the uh, how he's introduced 
they, they psych you out. Oh, you think Get. you think he's got like some sort of sketchy practice because he's like in the Yakuza's office, mm-hmm. and then it turns out like the reason he was at the Yakuza's place because he needed a really nice flower to propose to his girlfriend. And you and you're watching this, and you just feel like a dick for thinking that he was a bad guy at first. Because it seemed contradictory. Like, how could you hate crooked stuff if you're with the Yakuza? It's like, oh. Also, special props to Ma Boss Tatum for completely getting cold feet. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Anyways, moving on. Yes. Alright, so... Basically... <clears throat> he's basically one of the most straightforward characters of the series. So um, He is the straight guy. You're 72. He is yeah, you're gonna be you, yeah. you kind of lost all of your humor over the years. I could drop mm. dead at any moment. I don't have time for this CG animu bullshit. Oh my god. Worst CGI cars <laughs> All right. Ever. Did we go this whole episode without bringing that up? No, I brought it ah, up in the okay. intro. Mm. All right, so what did we have for predictions? I had three predictions, actually. Yeah, originally I only had two. Um, and that's because I was going with the general old men that we usually cast for this type of character in Funimation roles. And for the old men actors, I had, I kind of went basic. I picked R. Bruce Elliott and Mark, okay. and Mark Stoddard because they yeah. both played characters very similar to Soroku. But then a thought occurred to me, just for fun, just to see if he could do it. I think I know where this is going. Oh, boy. You know who I would kind of like to see cast as Zoroku? Mike McFarland? Damon Mills. Oh, that's not where I thought this was going. <laughs> that goddamn wizard. Just to see if he could freaking you, do you it. You know he could. You absolutely know that he could. Oh, he absolutely He probably could. could. I'm not... Uh, he has proven me wrong. That guy is a monster. He's a beast. He cannot be stopped. But, you know... <laughs> yeah. Can't stop Walt So that's stop. who I... That's who I picked for Zoroku. All right. Um, I was also a bit archetypal as well, and I had to think of um, a, a recent uh, anime role from Funimation that involved a gruff older guy mentoring a younger character. Now, do, do we know any uh, anime films that were like that or came out recently? Maybe one's uh, directed by a Japanese director who has an affinity for furries by any means. Uh, does anyone know any movies that came out that were like that? Didn't? I think nope. I see nope. where you're going with this one. Didn't direct the Digimon movie either. Nope, nope. Yeah, so. Yeah, I think he did. Yeah, he did. So, yeah, having recently watched The Boy and the Beast, being all I can see Vizizi's going. Absolutely stellar cast. Top of the heap, definitely being John Swayze, who plays the lead monster, Kuro, I can never pronounce it correctly, Kumotetsu, thank you. Uh, So that was my prediction for this one, uh, for playing this other character who takes care of a younger character. Andrew? Sorry. Uh, I just had Mark Stoddard for this, since I was thinking, like, old, old men are funny. Mark Stoddard is a good in one, one of my favorites mm. in that type of archetype, and I thought he would have been good. Yeah, I too had Mark Stoddard. Apparently all but one of us got this wrong. Woo! <laughs> Playing Zoroku Kashimura, we have John Swayze. 
Interesting choice. You would know John Swayze as The Undertaker from the Black Butler franchise. As mentioned, Kumatetsu and The Boy and the Beast. Daisuke Aramaki and Ghost in the Shell Arise. Sir Crocodile, a.k.a. Mr. Zero in One Piece. Chad Atkins in Gangsta. And Gendo and Kari in the Director's Cut episodes and the Rebuild movies of Evangelion. Hot take. Hot take, go. Go ahead. Get your panhandles on, because this is a hot take. What? I don't think he sounds old enough. Really? Yeah. Okay, that's fair. Yeah. Okay, now this is going to blow your mind. Okay. John Swayze has played old farts almost his entire career. Is anime even that old? He has been voicing anime for about 20 years or so now, correct? I thought... On and off. Anime is quite old. Anime is like, well, Momotaro. Like, he was in the Yushio and Tora OVAs, okay. right? Yes, yes, he was. Here's an interesting yeah, tidbit. It been like 25, Here's 30 a, years ago. Here is an interesting tidbit that you may not was, know about John Swayze. How old do you think John Swayze actually is? 48. John Swayze is actually 52 years old. Oh, it's close. Okay. Yeah. Meaning, 20 years ago, he was voicing old fart-type characters in his 30s. What? Interesting. Yes. And so, here's the thing. Zoroku is literally 20 years older than him. I think an older actor would have been able to capture the feel of the character better if he was a little bit older. I think John does a great job. I think he's one of my favorite voice actors, and he's been in God knows how many roles. He's, I think he's ranked like fourth in the number of total roles under people like Monica Rial and Lucy Christian. Um, but honestly, I think Zoroku sounds gruff. I think he sounds cranky. I think he sounds like he's had enough of this crap, and he hates crooked stuff. John brings all of that to the table, and yet I think the character might have been a bit better if it was within a slightly older voice actor. And John is is in his 50s, that's to his credit. But Zoroku is like a bitter old fart who's ready to bite the dust at any second. Yeah, <laughs> that, that sounds horrible, I know. But, I mean, we need that extra level of curmudgeon. John gives us, like, high-level curmudgeon, we need extreme-level curmudgeon. But that's just me. That's just me being extremely picky. I think in otherwise, he does a great job. I know a lot of people really love this performance. I like it. I think it might have been a little bit better. But major props to John Swayze. I think he does a good job. He doesn't do a bad job. I'll agree with you. I hadn't really thought about the possibility of, well, maybe he should have been played by an older actor. But I, you probably tell when someone is faking being uh, older than they actually are, right? Like, like mm -hmm. in the same way that you can tell a little boy voiced by a girl is being voiced, is a little boy being voiced by a girl. So, that, that really... A full-grown woman in most Exactly. Boys. Like, yeah. I, I repeat, how old is uh, some of the actors were like... Well, we don't have to get any exact ages, but like, well beyond the age where you would peg them for being able to play young kids. Like, Mon Mona Marshall, for example, has been voicing young boys since the time began. And she even came back to voice uh, Izzy in uh, the latest Digimon movie. 
but that, that's way off the point here. The point is, is that John Swayze, yeah, brings all the character to it. I'm going to blame any shortcomings of his acting, though, on the character itself. Because, and here's my problem with the show, is that it does not take advantage of the dynamic between Sana and Zoroku. It's got too many other characters that it's focusing on. It never centers back in on them as the main characters. So we've got, essentially, we've got a great lead male character who doesn't get as much chance to shine by contrasting off of Sana as we'd like to see. To be fair, though, as of right now, I think the show has, like, four episodes left in Japan. So, we could still see that? We could. We yeah, could still we, see yeah, more. No, it's right, because... We, we right have, now, in the, in yeah, the dub, it's heavy in the, in the sci-fi thriller stuff. Right. It, like, I kind of pegged it when I heard the preview of it. That was going to be more of a slice of life show, or the actually maybe not even slice of life, but more like Michiko and Hachin, where there would be lots of action, right. but the heart of it would be the the interaction between the two mains. Not really seeing as much of that throughout the show. Like there's pockets of it, but it's not uh, it's not as dominating as something like Michiko and Hachin. All right, um, I'm going to go a different route. I'll say I hear what you're saying about how it would have been better to have like a gruffer person like gruffer older person perform this i almost appreciate that it wasn't what i was expecting because like mark stoddard r bruce elliott they are who you would think for us at this point as like the broadcast old man but swayze was an interesting pick and not one i was actually expecting even though He's played a lot of older people. But I think he actually really gets the character down pat almost perfectly. He's grouchy and definitely a little bit uptight. And he just has no time for any of your anime bullshit. He's got no time. I don't care if you just tried killing me. I'm gonna smack you face in for trudging me through that crap. But he, he's, he feels like hard, not bitter, but like fair. He never seems unfair in his methodology and mentality. And honestly, I feel he really does get this character down perfectly. Uh, on the grounds of him sounding a little older, I don't think that's something that necessarily has to be done with the age. I don't think him this being played by an older actor would say that. I think that is something that can and will probably be rectified and noted upon the the full broadcast release. I think that's something that could be fixed. I think aside from maybe sounding a little older, I think everything else is perfect about this performance. And I would say this is one of my favorites in this stuff. Roots? Now, now do you... Do you want Zoroku to put his hand on your head and say, I don't like crooked stuff? No, I want him to give this little child an actual genuine pat on the head instead of punching her. <laughs> <laughs> I feel a little sorry for the three kids when, you know, he does. He, I he mean, sucker the, punches them fair, on their heads. In like, that instance, they absolutely deserved it. Well, yes, that, that's ve not vehicular manslaughter, but that's, that's grand theft destruction right there. I want a moment where she does something good, and he appreciates that, and he actually gives her fair praise. 
I, hopefully that will come later, and hopefully this child will find happiness and be told that she is a good little girl and not <laughs> subhuman trash. God damn it, Mitty C, why would you do that? Anyways, I'm done. You want him, you want him to give her a hug and a candy? <laughs> yeah. You want to give him a yeah, hug, a hug and a kickers? Yeah. Oh, because it does. Satisfy. I brought it back. Or oh, you forgot you forgot <clears throat> to uh, to give. Or from our new sponsor, Werther's Original. <laughs> <laughs> also, sponsor... the butterscotch candy your grandma and grandpa have. Yes. Also sponsoring Metabucil for when you just can't get it sl- get it through enough. That okay. was a bad joke. Citrum Silver. And that will be remembered Have we sold by Pepper's Farm, our new sponsor. <laughs> they will remember it. They know your fucking search history, Hardy. <laughs> Pornhub okay. knows your okay. search history. Okay, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta wrap move it. We on. Gotta roots. Um, truth be told, I didn't even think John Swayze would be an option for this broadcast dub season. I'm sorry, simul dub season. I gotta... I, Words, um, words, 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 words. He words. was in Gangsta. You have to remember that. Yeah. But that he... was like two years ago, which is, you know, like three decades in anime terms. <clears throat> so major props to Clifford Chapin and <clears throat> basically the people in charge of casting for Funimation Simuldub Initiative. Like, this is a really cool thing. And I guess now it pretty much evens out John Swayze in terms of, you know, the great, the kind of okay, and the absolutely shitty father figures he's played. Like, you've got Gendo Ikari, you've got Kumatetsu. Like, I think this basically evens him out in terms of those roles. Um, Because he's not a father figure, he's a grandfather figure. Oh, wait, there did, you go. Didn't he play um uh, the grumpy uh, neighbor character from uh, Wolf Children as well? No. 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 That wasn't him? That was Jerry Russell. God bless his soul. We have lost him. Oh, damn. Sorry. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I like that he takes no shit from nobody. <clears throat> he plays a very great straight man to sauna. And when the character allots, he has a very warm side to him. I just really like John Swayze as Roku. It's probably one of my, you know, like Andrew, it's probably one of my favorite roles in the anime. Now, now would you say that the lack of uh, knowing his past takes away from uh, your enjoyment of the character or adds oh, to it? absolutely not. It's like, he could be, he could have been from any environment and... I can still believe this person acting like this. Like, he didn't need a tragic past to need to gr- be a grumpy old man. He just had to grow up. Okay, because for me, it's it's personally taking away a little bit in that, like I said, I wanted the dynamic to focus more on the two main characters and the fact that we know so very little about his past, aside from, obviously, that one of his children has died and he has his granddaughter, but we don't know much more about him. That's kind of taking me out of enjoying the show as much as I thought I want to see more family chemistry, and so do you. Uh, absolutely. Uh, speaking, like you said, four episodes. Anyways, ago. no family is complete without the precious little daughteru. Exactly. So we are now moving on to Sana, the mysterious dreams of Alice girl, who basically has no limit to her ability, <clears throat> except for her calorie intake. Apparently. Yeah. 
Which, which she can basically rewrite the laws of physics as she sees fit, as long as she has enough energy in also, her body. Also, we should probably preface this. Her name is actually not, in fact, Alice. This is a mistake we've actually made a couple of times in planning this episode. Yes. Her name is not Alice. She does not. She did not have a name originally, and then she was given the name Sana by the twin characters. My favorite. But her name's not my Alice. My favorite Nintendo character is Metroid. Well, my favorite Nintendo character is Zelda. I know. Isn't he the best? Oh yes, with his green cap and his sword and shield. <laughs> we cannot spot. We cannot sponsor this episode by Nintendo because they'll DMCA our asses. Yes. This episode brought to you by Sega. Sega pissing off Nintendo <laughs> since the 1980s and pissing off Sega its own. Sega does what Nintendo. And Sega yeah. pissing off its own fans ever since Sonic 2006. All your shitty OCs are real forever. And speaking of OCs, actually, I don't think I had a good segue for that one. Anyways, who do we? You didn't have any Let's good go. segues the entire episode. Oh, I will fight right. you on right. that. Anyways, uh, moving on. We got predictions to go through. Hardy, what you got? Okay, for Sana, a.k.a. Alice herself, um, let's be real here. Show of hands, if any of us just defaulted to Monica. I, I did, did not. not. I did. No, actually. No. Really? Am I, I the I only one? Monica. That would have been Monica too earlier in my predictions. Am I the only one? I could sit. You I are, can see it. You may you have been the only sheep. one. Okay. You are a sheep. Well, you alone are in this herd. Goat. Well, I mean, Fuck. after seeing it constantly happen, time and time again, in shows like Tanya the Evil, um, yeah, one of my choices was a default to Monica, but then I also picked Jade Saxton, because she has voiced characters very similar to Sana in the past. Uh, very similar looking, very similar acting. Um, True. And, and that's why I picked her as my second choice. You're not wrong. I mean, she, we, she's shown she has quite the range. Um, for um, my own prediction, um, I have not seen the show Gosick yet. But uh, after hearing all Hey, whoa, 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 whoa. There's actually going to be an episode. We can't talk about that. I won't. I won't. I won't. Okay, no, I was. But anyways, my point is that um, there was a, a casting choice in that show, but I won't say which one, that... Uh, was already in my mind. Just just the name was in my mind. And I don't think I've ever put her as a prediction before in any of our Dub Talk episodes. And I always get these wrong, so I thought, okay, I need to break out of my mold a little bit here. So, Afia Yu, who has done some good work that I've heard so far, but I never seem to cast her in anything. So, like, okay, I'm going to be right this time and predict her as Sana, and I will be right, and I will gloat. Truth be told... I also put off of you, and for the same reason, I kind of figure you did. That okay. was probably a good we'll, time we'll to mention. I also had off of you. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Oh my gosh! So we it appears that we are the sheep. We are all now. sheep. And speaking of which, uh, we are the, uh, the other. Are. I will say the other sheep I have. Damn it. Um, no, my other uh, casting prediction for Sana was Sarah. We didn't have uh, that one was corny. No, not okay. at all. Oh yeah, wasn't Monica Real a sheep? Yeah, show me wrong. Huh. She was Moa Pune. So I see Pew-doo. how you got Monica and sheep. Okay. Pew-doo. Anyways, roots. Pew-doo! 
I need to watch that. Sh I need to buy that show now. So apparently, Andrew got this one right. What? Go figure. Flip the table. No, I will not lose Playing to Andrew. The mysterious sauna. Sarah Weedenheft. All right. Which I, I I have to consciously remember is pronounced Weedenheft because I I took like six years worth of German. All your <laughs> She's not German. She's Dutch. All your language is flawed. Exactly. So you would know Sarah Weedenheft as Michaela Watch in Blood Blockade Battlefront. Uh, Yuki Kusakabe in Interviews with Monster Girls. Uh, Zuikaku in Konkoli, which I don't think is out yet. Uh, Ruby Kurosawa in Love Life Sunshine. Toru in Miss Kobayashi's Dragon Maid. And Azusa Murasaka in Orange. Cool. And let's, let us not forget from Honey Pop. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to go pee if we're going to talk about Honey Pop again, swear to God. <laughs> so so, so tell me, Hardy, um... How many light years away is it to the nearest galaxy? I don't care. Just show me your char your star shaved pubes. <laughs> all right, all right. We, we, we have no shame. This episode Celeste, has been shamelessly kind of gross considering the character. Because Celeste, C Celeste is best. Put your ray guns to the test. Okay, okay. Let's not do the honey pop thing anymore because. She's playing a kid this time. Okay, I'm sorry. Well, technically, we she's not even a human. It's the shape of a kid. I'm calling it she a kid. That's fair enough. She was born and therefore she was. She it her or it's like she, every one of them seems like they were people or were born as like regular people. She seems to have just been mm. conceived. She is therefore She is Enough said. I, I'm gonna, right. I'm gonna theorize that. Yeah, she. We see that one flashback sequence. Well, it's not even a flashback. It's like she, she interacts with what looks like an older version of herself, and I'm theorizing that her existence molded herself to have the body of this character, because she was like another character who she saw already. So it was like her physicalness, her. her entity needed to take form and she said oh there's a taller blonder flat-chested girl i'm going to shape myself to look like a younger version of her but at the same time she's a florist which imp to me implies that's actually her future self I'm oh could be yeah I okay i hadn't thought of that i i did sense there was maybe some connection to zoroku but i didn't know if it was future self or it was like another character but it sounded I, we're like we're theorizing I, I i thought it was interesting because um uh, i don't i don't want to break the order here because i could hear the very distinct amount of like child and adult sounding person and i thought that was particularly interesting it was. Just uh, Hardy, what did you think of uh, Sarah's performance? I liked it. <coughs> Excuse me. I liked it. I think um, I'm kind of torn because Sarah is doing a lot of major and or lead roles this mm -hmm. season alongside Amber Lee Connors and um, Afia Yu. It seems like if it's not one of those three, then... It's nothing. 
Like it's like every, almost every single simul dub this season is being helmed, at least in the female actress uh, role, by one of those three. You know what I think it is. Um, yeah. On the, luck, on the Lucky Star uh, uh, behind-the-scenes features, um, I think it was Michelle Ruff who talked about the concept of the it girl in anime voice acting, how there's like a new it girl every couple of years. It used to be Michelle, and then it was Kari Walgreen, and then it was Wendy Lee, and then it was Brina Palencia. Now we're in the age where Sarah Wiedenheff is the it girl. Yeah. Uh, no, and Amber Lee Connors and Afia Yu, both, all, they, all three of them play like major roles, if not the lead role. And, you know, I'm kind of a little bit bothered by that. It's like, I it's sort of moved. God. What? It's probably like that perfect storm of availability and popularity just kind of converging versatility mm -hmm. and also like newer actors who are fresher and like available and like able to do things because like they got the time and the ability to do that and also giving new yes. talents to shine what the fuck is this being about bothered by this well i, well, I can understand uh, repetitiveness like you get into right. a rut of repetitive yeah I no when it happens four times in one season then yes i think it's a problem Okay. No, when it, when when you have four dubs, when the same actress is the lead role in every single show in all four of those shows, yes, I think it's a problem. And so, yeah, no, if it was concurrent seasons, then yeah, I would, I would let it go. But I mean, and no, I'm not being mean towards any of these girls. I'm just thinking, hey, you know what? This is an actual problem. It needs to be addressed. Uh, With all due respect, um, not everybody is like a regular watches everything in the season simulcast regularly. Some people are just casually tuning in to some of this stuff. So, like, it's in noticeable to us since we cover all of these. But to, like, the mm -hmm. average viewer, this is like fresher, newer talent getting a chance to shine in some things they might have tuned into. Well, actually, I'm going to kind of uh, disagree with you on that, Andrew, because even to the casual viewers, if you hear a voice that's so standout, like it's such a unique quality to it, you're going to notice it, even if you don't recognize it by name. Because And Sarah Wiedenhoff is specifically one of those people who has such a standout voice that if you watched any show and you didn't read the cast list, but you just heard the voice, you're, uh, there's a switch in your brain that triggers that says hey that sounds like toru or hey that sounds like what's her name from handshakers or hey that sounds like that one alien that i screwed in that one game that hardy gave me for christmas <laughs> that's just going to <laughs> register in your brain and I, I do think it's a little bit of a problem you, you gotta I, I don't know how to remedy it though is a problem super talented super available how do you not overexpose that i don't have a solution but i can agree with hardy that it is something that should probably be addressed. I think that's more of a conversation for the state of broadcast dumbing and not a knack or a criticism of Sarah Weedon and Hef as an actress or not. I think. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah. I apologize. Exactly. I think as, I got a little heated there. I'm sorry. As, as this role is concerned, Sarah does fine. I have no complaints. She sounds cute when she needs to. She sounds serious when she needs to. Moving on. I'm actually not as uh, on board with her portrayal here. Um, <laughs> interestingly enough, you know how you said that John Swayze didn't sound old enough to play uh, Zoroku? I kind of think that Sarah Wiedenhef sounds a little too old for uh, Sana. 
And I, I know that we're not going to get actual children to voice our characters in English, but it's, it's not the, the age so much, it's the peppiness. The Japanese version of Sana had spunk to her, but she wasn't so, uh, so gung-ho as Sarah makes her out. And that's just Sarah's natural speaking voice. Like, if she just read the phone book, I think she would still have that natural, high-energy, rah-rah-rah persona to her that I don't think entirely fits with Sana's personality throughout the show. But, I will say that when she has to bring it to a different level with the sadder and serious moments, uh, specifically the parts where Minnie C is like uh, binding her down and she's about to be drugged again, she gets into that existential funk about am I human or am I not? That was my favorite part that Sarah did in this dub so far. Oh, she sounded like she was yeah. in so much like pain, like not only just like mentally, but fucking... I felt the pain when I heard her, like, scream into, like, the thing that was covering her mouth when she got shot. I'm like, oh, God. But, yeah, no, that is some, like, this is a technical little child thing going through a literal identity crisis. And it, that's, yeah. that is some crazy stuff. Like, I think she she does this one pretty good. All set, said and done. I had, I had, uh, let me go through my notes here since I do have notes. Uh... I think she's really good when she's got her dramatic stuff. Uh, I actually thought it was very authentic and legit when she was eating and talking at the same time in the first episode. She sounded <laughs> great. She sounded really great. And it's just, uh, she also, she gets sleepy and tired. Like, she gets those emotions down. I guess maybe she needs to work a little more on, like, what you were saying earlier. But I think her adult dramatic beats as well as like the more like ch childish things like her eating and sleeping are good the other stuff's pretty decent but yeah all in all i do really enjoy uh we didn't have as son you know while she does sound a bit too old for the role <clears throat> in the in the vocal sense in the acting sense she acts just like a child son his age would Maybe a little too... Uh, yeah, maybe that's a little too close to actual children, I guess, now that I think about it. With, with all the, the flaws like, and the, the shortcomings that go with it. Yeah. <clears throat> now, the the more serious beats she nails. Um, she's good at acting like a child, as I said. <clears throat> uh, there's not much I can say toward the role itself. That hasn't already been said. Oh, uh, can we talk about the Red Queen portion of it? Uh, like, sure. Uh, the um, th This is the most blatant uh, Alice in Wonderland reference that they make in the show, because not only do they refer to her as the Red Queen, but she also has a little red crown on her head that she wears when she's trying to escape. And uh, yeah. it's not like the Lewis Carroll character. I, I mentioned this to you guys earlier, that the person who wrote the story obviously liked the some of the characters and imagery from Alice in Wonderland, but clearly didn't get the characters because Sana does not act like the Red Queen does at all, and that bugs me a little bit. Turns so, out it is not an accurate adaptation. Who would have thunk it? I, I yeah, I understand that portion of it, but like, like the powers aren't even direct reference, but yeah. Well, well there kind of is. Um, how? Uh, hold on a second. Let me. <clears throat> let, let me put on my uh, scholarly glasses here. Okay. <clears throat> Alice in Wonderland is a story about um, mocking what's wrong with society. 
rituals are nonsense, polo is nonsense, a lot of things are nonsense. Let's point that out by making a whole world that is intentionally nonsense. This story right. does not is not about that. This is a story about fantasy versus reality because she has all of this power in the fantasy world not so much when they go out into the real world so yeah i need to let go of the fact that this clearly is not supposed to be taking the themes from alice in wonderland i do kind of like the the whole fantasy versus reality theme they got going on there yeah but we got to accept the fact that they just wanted the iconography mm -hmm. and basically left everything else right and yeah if you're if you're someone like a i guess a casual who just likes stories and doesn't like to read the, the deeper literary meaning or anything like that then that this probably won't bug you you'll just be like oh that, that i recognize alice in wonderland imagery that's cool we get it read the manga shut up <laughs> read the original manga by lewis carroll <laughs> well I, i'm not gonna say don't sponsored by lewis carroll Yes. And this episode has been sponsored by the floating dead corpse of Lewis Carroll. <laughs> he loved math. And so should you. Roots, take us out, won't you? Alright, so... You can find Alice Anzaroku subbed on Crunchyroll. 15,000 hours of fully licensed support in Japan content. All in your fingertips for $6.95 a month or $11.95 a month if you wanted to go Premium Plus. <clears throat> I guess there's all, there's some store discounts and I think twice a year they enter random people to go to Japan. Uh, if you want Alice Zoroku dubbed, you will have to go to Funimation. That's $5.99 a month. Or you could get both of them together. Um... <clears throat> Verve is a channel-based subscription service. Uh, for $9.95, you get a combo pack that has Crunchyroll, Funimation, Geek & Sundry, where you can find things like Critical Role, Mondo, for things like Batman Piderman or Axe Cop, Channel Frederator, for Being Puppycat or Bravest Warriors, Nerdist, uh, Rooster Teeth, for Red vs. Blue or Ruby, <laughs> Savage is Tested, and there are additional channels like CISO for comedy, Rift Tracks for also comedy, Jinx for I really don't know what they do, Shudder for horror, uh, Machinima for basically general Machinima, first of all. Uh, Machinima, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Remember, um, you don't get all of those channels for $9.99 yeah. a month. You just yeah, get select um, few. You get eight of those channels in a package that you could do for $10 a month. And by the way, the secret's out, guys. This episode was officially sponsored by Verve all along. Here's the thing, though. Hey. Yeah, there's missing content, like a lot of it, especially on the Funimation side. And, uh, and. Things like One Piece, Tokyo Ghoul, and pretty much all of the summer 2016 simuldubs, save for Puzzle and Dragons Across. <laughs> because everyone wanted to see Are that. missing. Not to mention, they still have not figured out how to do an English dub with subtitles for on-screen text, meaning shows such as Drifters, Ping Pong the Animation, and The Devil is a Part-Timer 
are nigh unwatchable. But, 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 they are willing to listen to your feedback and criticism and will be working on things to update, change, and fix these things in the near future. We should preface that because we do actually kind of want these sponsorships. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. I just want the sponsorship to I IHOP. IHOP is terrible, IHOP giving you giant pancakes that you can't actually eat because conservation of energy. Which this was my the favorite little part. This is failed product placement I think we've ever done is probably going to send advertisers away from us. Yes. Waffle House! We're not IHOP and we're proud of it. Oh, screw Good you. fucking God. Ding! Alright, let's plug us out. Alright, so gentlemen... <laughs> gentlemen, plug yourselves. My name is Spaceman Hardy, and I own a chain of slaughterhouses across the tri-state area. No, really, actually, no. I um, I uh, I'm a forum moderator over at the Funimation forums. Come by, join us, say hi. Uh, if you're not too shy, come join us on the forums and hang out with us. I'm actually really cool. A lot of people are there are really cool. Um, also, um, you can you can join me. You can follow me on Twitter. My Twitter is at SpacemanHardy. I post a lot of goat pictures and I rant a lot, but I'm actually not as bad as you think I am. So let's hang out sometime. I uh, host a chain of cartoon theaters all across the country that uh, you should go to because cartoons are better than those live action movies that you go to see. But when I'm not, and they never get an audience unless you put out the free beer sign. I'm running out, like running low on tap here. Alright, what do you actually do? <laughs> I am the host of 10 Frames Per Second, which is a YouTube series that I've been writing scripts for. I just need to actually put them together. But if I ever do, you can find them on my YouTube channel, which is youtube.com slash journeytraveler. More frequently, though, you can find me over on Twitter, at NoahClue. And when I'm not doing all this crazy stuff for all of the cartoons in the world, I am creating more children for the Ardell family. Go Ruby Marie Ardell 2017! I sponsor my own family. Good. Oh, yeah, by the way, congratulations to Noah. At the time of this episode goes up, Woo! there will be a, children, a second children in his household. Hey, a daddy is you! Anyways, as for me, you can find me over on Twitter at MangaMan9000. You can also find me lurking the Funimation forums with Hardy as well. Um, as for on my Twitter, I am going to be on basically posting a bunch of anime stuff i'm part of the year of fairy tale where we watch an episode of fairy tale a day that's been a passion project we've been doing at the time of this recording we're almost done with the key of the starry heaven filler arc i failed at that so badly that you did anyways uh, a winner is not you Okay, so I am Roots of Justice. I own a cartel of pug breeders across the New England area. Actually, you can find me on Twitter at Roots of Justice. I retweet pug pictures, put on a nice, <laughs> cozy tinfoil hat. It's nice. I also kind of lurk on Funimation forums every now and again and the fandom posts. I have a blog that I will eventually do something with, I promise. But have you ever put a pug in a tinfoil hat? Oh, now you're giving me ideas. It'd so, be really adorable. You can find the Dub Talk podcast on YouTube, doobity doo slash Dub Talk. Um, we also have a Twitter account, Dub Talk Podcast, all three words capital. <clears throat> I, you know, for first letter of each each of the words capital. 
Um, we also have an Instagram and Tumblr page. Um, I believe that's just Dub Talk. No, it's Dub Talk Podcast. Okay, Dub Talk Podcast. Yeah. Dub Talk is just for the YouTube. Everything else Dub is Dub Talk Podcast. podcast. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. And um, if you happen to like this video, give it a like. Give the page a subscribe. Ring the bell for notifications. All of that helps us. So, from Dub Talk, I would wish you all a good night. Otaku on the dubbers! This episode was brought to you by pigs. Pigs. The first white meat. We were the... <laughs> see, the true pigs I were quit, all I of quit. us the whole time. Pigs? Aw, oh, you're adorable. You're gonna be nice in my tummy. <laughs> Folks, These nah. pigs were brought to you by Carl's Juniors! Alright. Woo! Carl's Juniors! Otaku on. Keep it manly. <laughs>